What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us again this week. Got a very special guest with us, a good friend of mine and a fantastic filmmaker and an all-around interesting guy, uh, Mr. Randall Plunkett. Or don't you have a, an official title? What's your official title? That depends who you ask. Uh, I have been known to be to be called Lord Dunsany, but I've also been known to be called a dick, so it depends who you ask. The dick? <laughs> dick, it depends. There are certain... People of the female gender who might consider me to be, uh. I gotcha. So to give a sort of a briefing, I, basically I want to have a conversation. I thought about, I think about interesting people and I kind of put together a short list of, of usually so far, this is only the fourth episode of this particular podcast. The other three have been very, um, uh, topical. The first one I, I discussed as everybody out there knows, sort of, Myself, I kind of gave my introduction on my life, who I am, and sort of opened up and became transparent about a lot of the issues that have been in in my existence. Uh, just sort of putting my money where my mouth is, obviously, because I want everybody else to be open and feel free to, you know, talk and be comfortable. Uh, so we talked about Randall. We talked about things like uh, uh, depression, hard times, loss, all that stuff. It all had to do with me. The second episode, we kind of uh, talked about religion. I spoke with a lovely gentleman, a good friend of mine that... Um, uh, grew up in the church and he lost his faith. And that was a very, very deep conversation. And the third one, which we did was all about like paranormal. And it turned into this big thing where we're talking about ghosts and ghost stories and our theories on that. So I don't know I, this one. I just want to talk and pick your brain. I'm not saying there has to be a particular topic because you're very interesting. Uh, so I want you to tell me about yourself. Um, obviously where you grew up, um, what your family's about. You're a filmmaker. What got you into film? I kind of want to start there. I got Zach here as well. So, I mean, yeah. Zach's always here. You don't need an introduction, mm -hmm. but go ahead and start. Tell us who you are. Right. Well, first off, uh, I should tell you that I'm Irish, although you'd never know from my accent. I was born in America, so I guess that makes me Irish-American, if you like. Um, mm. I have lived most of my life in Europe. And my mother is Brazilian, funny enough. So I'm as international as you get. I, I didn't know that, man. for every nation. Yeah, yeah, no. So the melodrama is my Brazilian side. My uh, repressed uh, is my Irish side. And my charm comes from my American side. So, you know. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> so I come from my family is, the, um, is the, probably the oldest Irish family. We've been in Ireland for about almost a thousand years. We came with the Normans, and we're the oldest Irish family still associated with um, their home because I have a family home that's been in my family since we built it on the in the 11th century, and uh, we were those Normans who came here and, and uh, raped and pillaged, and then you know later became part of the furniture. Um, oh, so. Wowzers. Yeah, that's uh, that's one way of putting it. Anyway, so. your family, your family home, the castle. It's a pretty. You can actually see it on Wikipedia, right? I think it's pretty. Uh, I yeah. saw that. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. It's pretty impressive. Well, um, it's a pain in the ass to Hoover. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Takes me a week. <laughs> I bet, man. So, what got you into filmmaking? Because I'll, I'll kind of give a history on when I first got introduced to you. This was like seven or eight. No, maybe not that long ago. I think it was a. Uh, what's it been like? Four years. 
I don't know. It's been oh, a while. It's been at least about, let me see. Like my film was in 2013. So it's, Jesus, we're getting old. Four, four or five years anyway. Yeah. So it's been a we'll, while. We'll say and- four because I, I feel kind of old saying five. So four. <laughs> let's call it four. I, you know how I can, you know, the timestamp I put on it is I remember The Walking Dead was in its third season and now they're in the eighth season. So, oh, <laughs> Jesus. What, so that's, that's, that's how I can timestamp it. But you had put out an independent film called Out There. It was a short. And I was explaining to Zach, uh, before we started recording that when you have like a, a website of any, or even if it's like a blog page, anything, you know, you'll get a lot of indie filmmakers submitting things for review and things like that. And I remember at the time I was getting like 30 submissions a day. You can't even get through them. I mean, because I mean, there's a lot of people that are are filmmakers and most of it, let's be honest, is garbage, right? That's just the way of the world is technology uh, becomes more advanced and more easily accessible. You got more people trying their hand at things, whether it be music, film, et cetera. So a lot of talented people and it's a great thing overall. You just got to wade through uh, the, the clutter and I don't know what possessed me, but yours came in. I'm like, I don't know. I, something's telling me I got to watch this. I watched it. I was super impressed by it. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy. And I reached out to you for an interview initially. So that's that's our history. And we literally just talked and interviewed. I think uh, you were on with my co-host from the old. This is the BTM podcast, for those of you who don't know. And that's where it started. And uh, yeah, have a lot in common. And you just, like I said, you got an interesting story. And I don't recall. I remember we... that really well, actually, because um, we obviously, I was trying my best to promote that film. And, and any of your audience who actually makes films will, will know that when you have very little money, you really just have to rely on, on good, good uh, favor with people. And mm-hmm. you gave me not only the time of day to actually write a review, you actually invited me onto your, uh, onto your show. And That's I remember right. like we started talking and of course we, we got the business side out. We talked about the movie and all the, you know, the ins and outs of making a film. But I remember after we even switched off the show, we were talking about metal and all that kind of stuff for at least an hour afterwards. In fact, I think the only reason I put down the phone was because my dinner was ready. Okay. And you mm-hmm. can't get in the way of an Irishman and his dinner. Mm-hmm. Not even with your charms. So, and I, <laughs> flatter, I, I don't, you have a better memory than I do, but now but you do, you're right. That rings true because it turns out we, we had a lot in common, uh, not just with the filmscapes. Cause we were talking about, uh, old zombie movies. We were talking about, uh, the film stuff and then, yeah, the music thing. And it, and it blows you away because I'm somebody that traveled a lot. You know, I traveled for a good five years straight, just not even in America. And I, I realized it's like, it really doesn't matter where you're from. I mean, people are all essentially same you know to a degree especially nowadays i mean everybody's got the same kind of laptop the phones are the same i mean youtube's more or less the same unless you live in like north korea or somewhere china yeah (laughs) exactly so yeah it's like it's like i can like uh all these bands that you do we can be into the same films uh and it's it's pretty interesting but so and i'm sure i asked it years and years ago I don't remember, but for the sake of this new audience, tell us what made you want to get into filmmaking? What was sort of the, if it was a particular film, if it was a particular director, that kind of bit you. Right. So, I mean, this is kind of a a funny one, right? Because I was, um, like I said, I was born in America and I grew up in America in the sort of middle of the 80s and I lived in New York. And I was a kid, I was a young kid and, and it was, you know, my, I lived in an apartment building and it was kind of dangerous for kids to be on the streets. And it was the time where there was a lot of kidnapping and stuff. And my parents were really paranoid. And, you know, I was a little sort of like white kid with big curly hair. I was perfect for getting kidnapped and ending up on the back of a milk carton. 
I mean, that was, you know, I had rape written all over me. So my parents didn't let me kind of, can I say that sort of stuff nowadays Go, or is everybody you, very proper nowadays? Hey, I'll stop you right there. I'm going to, that's a good point. I'm going to tell you that's, that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast is on, you know, our normal podcast. We got to kind of keep it thematic, talking about films and entertainment. And there's so many different things I wanted to talk about that I found myself sort of walled in and I, I couldn't. And I'm tired of the PC nature of everything. I'm tired of everybody getting offended. So this is a home for just being for, honest, for talking about whatever you want. right? Yeah, because go I got to be honest with you, right? When uh, when I meet Americans, I love Americans, I love Canadians, but you guys are way in the future when it comes to to what is appropriate, what is not. Because in Ireland, we are about fifteen, twenty years behind you guys when it comes to that sort of thing. People are often offended by me and my uh, my my group because it's not that we're so excessive. It's just in our country we're not so sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway. Yeah, that aside. So yeah, getting back to my story. So I had victim written all over me. So my parents kept me under lock and key. I wasn't allowed to leave the building. So obviously being six, I had nothing to do. Nintendo was out, but my parents didn't just want me to play Super Mario. Uh, so we used to do, uh, we used to rent videos and there was like this old Sikh man who used to have a video store at the end of the, at the end of the block. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so my dad was kind of an intellectual. So he would let me uh, rent my usual cartoons and all the kind of like stuff that six-year-olds like. But the kind of flip side was my dad didn't want me to turn into a melon. So he would try and get me some more educational type films. So he used to rent me the classics, you know, classic Hollywood, art house, French movies from, you know, the French New Wave, all that kind of stuff. And he'd make this six-year-old child watch that sort of stuff. And over time, you know, I got a bit more bored with the cartoons and started getting more into the art house uh, cinema stuff that he was giving me. And after a while, I wasn't even renting the cartoons anymore. And so I started getting into that. And my dad was, a, was an artist. So he also, apart from making me watch stuff, he'd make me draw stuff and write stories and short stories and whatever I could do, poems, anything. And uh, he uh, brought a financial incentive to it. He said, well... For every drawing, I'd get, I don't know, 20 cents or something. So, you know, and it was the time where um, to buy a hot dog was a dollar. And hot dogs were my favorite thing. So at the, after school, I'd buy a hot dog with all this money that I made, writing short stories and drawing pictures and all that random stuff. So, you know, I, uh, I started doing that. And then gradually, it just kind of came very natural, you know. And uh, after a while, you know. The hot dog became a hot dog and Coke and fries and onion rings. And, you know, you know, and it, my journey into kind of creativity sort of began as a result of hot dogs. At what point were you that kid? You had to have been that kid that was making home movies, making videos in your backyard, you know? Funny enough, the movies were not what came first. The writing came first. I think the... Interesting. See, because I think we, we didn't have... It was the 80s. We didn't have a camera till I was maybe living in Europe. And I still couldn't work the damn thing. So it was, I'm not going to lie. I was no Steven Spielberg. It didn't come that quickly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the literary side came a lot faster and the telling of stories. I mean, the video side came a lot later, I would say. It came probably more towards the 90s when I was, uh, when I was already sort of a teenager. But the stories were still there. So I was writing the whole time. And in fact, when I first, uh, my first memories, actually, I didn't want to make films. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write stories. I wanted to mm. to do cool stuff like that. 
And uh, uh, like I went to a pretty posh school in England. I remember one of my earliest memories was they, I was like nine years old, right? And they, they make you come for an interview because you probably don't have this in America, but the British are really into this whole having interviews thing. So you get like my brother's kids, right? They're like eight. And they have interviews to get into their next school as if like it was a job or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so they took me to this interview and then I had this, this old todger wearing a suit and glasses and he looked like something out of Jane Austen, right? Proper old school at British. And he said to me, it was like, uh, so what, what, what would you like to do for a living? Bear in mind, I'm eight years old here. Uh, so I said to him, like, I mean, everybody else says they want to be a fireman. I, I said, I want to be a writer and I could see his eyebrows just go up. And go, okay, so uh, another deluded kid who wants oh. to be a writer. Not that you probably get that many at eight, but, you know, mm -hmm. if yeah. you, anyone who is a writer will know that it's a pretty shitty life. Mm -hmm. um, certainly very underpaid. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of where it started, and I just, it never stopped. I just kept writing and writing and creating stuff. And, you know, it started with little drawings. I mean, I realized I had no talent for drawings, so the, the cinema side came, came through. Yeah, and, Even, uh, your, your vision can definitely uh, uh, make up and accommodate for a lack in skill, though, especially with like art and stuff. I, it's funny, uh, man, that's so ass backwards, because if I had a kid come up to me or if it was my kid at eight and he's like, I want to be a writer, I, you, you'd think you'd nurture that? Like, wow, this eight-year-old wants to be a writer. You'd think, but they didn't let me into the school, so, you know, fuck them, basically. Yeah, <laughs> And I, I wouldn't know, but I think that I think that's commonplace here for like private school. Yeah, well, it's very, but it's like, it's, it's a, like a common thing, but the, the British people have like this, this weird kind of vibe about, about education. Like, I think, you know, education is one of these things. I mean, you're, you're eight years old. Like, what the fuck? You should be playing with toys and stuff. Shouldn't be mm -hmm. deciding on, on your career. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. yeah, what crack absolutely. pipe are they smoking? You know what I mean? Um, so it just, it just baffles me. But anyway, so uh, I was never very good at maths or any of the like important subjects that would actually guarantee me a paycheck at the end of the week mm -hmm. um so i just kept pushing on the on the creative stuff like you know and i got into music as well and and you know you, you're my generation so it was the same stuff that you would have been growing up as but you know i was a kind of a an alternative type so i had long hair and i you know i wore a lot of black and had a skateboard and you know was hanging around the back of uh <laughs> the gym a lot of the time you know i was one of those kids were jinko jeans big over there did no, we never had Jinko jeans. We had, uh, they had a whole bunch of weird ones. I mean, I used to have to buy all these imports because it was like Europe. So we, we used to have all these like, like gangster jeans. Like, uh, what was the one? They had Mecca. Mecca was one I used to spend money on and FUBU. Although I realized oh. that I don't think you can wear FUBU in America. Yeah. Cause it's uh, for us, much, by us it's, man. It's pretty ghetto. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, so what, how old were you when you moved back to, to Europe? Oh, I was like seven. And um, so, yeah, like I moved to Europe and Europe was really different. Like I first thing I noticed was I thought it was shit, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I was like, they didn't have anything cool. I mean, Halloween, forget about it. They didn't have Halloween. Um, the uh, hot dogs sucked. Um, and everything was just uh, it was just that much more backward. And I figured because I was more or less an American, you know, I spoke like an American. I was pretty much uh -huh. an American and they were much less tolerant. I found the other kids were really obnoxious to me because I was a foreigner. Uh, gradually I assimilated, but you know, it took a while at the beginning and I missed the place, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When's the last time you've been over here? 
like 1990s. So it's been now Jeez. pretty much assimilated. So do you find that your dialect is maybe muddled or is it, did you totally adapt and form formulate your Irish I mean, dialect? You, you can, you can tell me nobody in Ireland believes that I'm Irish and nobody in Britain thinks that I'm from Britain and nobody from, from America would believe I'm American. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sort to, of, to me, you I, sound Irish, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I get, I get a lot. I get Canadian a lot and I've never been to Canada. So that's weird. You know, yeah, mm. I, I don't see it myself, but sure. You know, to be honest in 2017 accents are so beta. I mean, we're all on the YouTube generation. I mean, we all use slang from, from multiple countries. So it's now, you know, give it another, another 15 years and there won't even be accents. What were you saying, Zach, about it? The dialect? I was just going to say somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just always wondered, uh, because you do have a unique dialect. It sounds Irish, but you also are very unique in that sense. Uh, anyway, I, one thing I'm fascinated with is the fact that maybe you can give some outsider perspective to, you know, kind of America today. You haven't been here in a while, obviously. Um, you maybe identify as maybe more on the Irish spectrum. I don't know, but 2017. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would consider myself Irish now, to be honest. I mean, I've got all the, all the traits of an Irishman. I don't do sun. Uh, I hate my neighbors. Uh, you know, every, everything that's great about being Irish. You sound um, like me. You know, we got the charm, <laughs> the, the Irish charm and the, uh, you know. I think my mom's side of the family is actually from Ireland, yeah. You see, it's, the funny thing is with Irish people, right, is that we're really sort of like, we're the sort of charmers of Europe. And I, I'm not saying that in a pretentious way. It's like, but everybody hates the British. Like, if you go around Europe and you're British, people just, they give you the second degree. Because they're like, you know, they have bad reputation. The French are kind of have this stigma of being stuck up. The Germans have this other stigma of being somewhat like, you know, a little bit loutish. But the Irish are always like, oh, yeah, but you're Irish. You're charming. You're the funny guys. So we're always getting that. And I, I ride that all the way to the bank because it's, it's such a good – nobody gives you any jip as an Irishman, you know. Mm. They would give you plenty of jip as a, as a, as a British or an American or as a – as a French person, but not as an Irishman. So get away with murder every mm -hmm. time. I want to talk about, like I said, as of this recording, it's New Year's Eve. So what better excuse to talk about 2017? I want to hear about your perspective, like maybe of what, how things are going on uh, with uh, the landscape, even politically in your part of the uh, world. But I want to see how, what you think of, you know, as an outsider, how, how things were in America, because 2017 was quite a polarizing year for a lot of people. Before I jump over there, though, I do want to mention before we leave the movie thing. Uh, did you want to talk about it? you just uh, you've been filming a particular film uh, called? Yeah, the we sea. just uh, I literally just finished filming about a week ago. Uh, uh -huh. I was shooting a movie called The Green Sea. It's got Catherine Isabel, which a lot of you guys might uh, recognize from Ginger Snaps. Yes. Yeah, Ginger Snaps, American Mary. Uh, she was on Insomnia with right with Pacino yeah, and uh, and the Hannibal TV series, which is a particular favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, and they had me at Cannibal. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we just made. So basically, what the movie is about? Uh, she's meant to be an aged heavy metal singer uh, who's basically um, gotten out of music and has moved years ago to live in like the middle of Bumblefuck in Ireland, mm. and uh, you know. The, the, you follow her for a while and she's a drunkard. She fights with people and she's a, basically a fish out of water. And the locals hate her. They call her a satanic bitch and 
And it's not clear within the movie that something's happened to her family and you're sort of at least led to believe that she was involved in something sinister. So, and then what happens is she befriends a sort of runaway and this runaway turns out to be somewhat supernatural and there's, and they, it becomes a sort of like a, a weird oddball buddy movie in a kind of supernatural mumble ish kind of way. So it, it'll be a weird one. Cool. It's, it's full of sort of like uh, moments of surrealism. And, and so it's, it's, it's a bit, it's an odd one. Um, so, and this is your first feature though, right? It's like my follow up from, from out there, which is, it's been a couple of years now. Cause I mean, anyone who's in your audience, who's makes films will know that it's very, very difficult, uh, especially in, nowadays because there's so i mean there's more video there's more film than ever before but there's so at the same time there's so little content uh there's loads of meandering garbage but there's no money uh to make sort of more interesting cinema nowadays it's they're painting by numbers so it's very very hard to get that first break unless you're either minted or you know you're well sort of in the film industry and even though I sort of believed that I was somewhat in the film industry, it was not actually any easier for me to get this started. So uh, it took a couple of years and, uh, you know, and I finally got it together and we shot the movie. And uh, yeah, so now uh, Catherine Isabel is, uh, is the star of it with a, a new actress who's going to be the next big thing coming out of Ireland, uh, a young girl called Hazel Duke, who's, uh, who's probably going to be the next Saoirse Ronan. Um, that what chick is on too. fire. She held her own. Yeah. And she's, uh, I was surprised because, uh, she was, I was expecting, you know, cause Catherine Isabel's 30 years in the business and she has, uh, an amazing talent, which often is not seen because of the kinds of movies she makes. A lot of like, you know, cause it's a lot of, you know, screaming and running around covered in blood, but she's actually a really, really good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's mm-hmm. really able to, to, to get into a, a character and really suss them out and her, her, ability to use the camera and the lighting in her favor. I've never seen it in any other actor. Well, I'll say something. She was, even in a movie like, I mean, I'll be honest, American Mary, I didn't like the movie that much, but she made it tolerable. She was the best part about that movie. Um, she proved that I, she can carry, she can carry a movie as the like soul I, I star. Was comple- I'm completely in agreement, but I would say even that she has more, she's traveled more in this movie because this is, uh, this movie is very much, on her the whole time. And she has a complete transformation and her ability to do that was, was phenomenal because it was a very hard role because she plays a complete, I hate to say it, bitch. She's, she's a vile human being. And as the film goes on, she actually turns into this pretty okay person. And I use the word okay, not she never turns into this. It doesn't become a Hallmark movie, but Mm -hmm. her ability to transform herself from being someone who's, pretty reasonable to being a complete monster and she can do it in just a drop of a hat and she was nailing first takes every time so i was very impressed um with her and her abilities so um hopefully the movie won't suck and i'm somewhat informed of the story and and i i know where you've been along this whole way but it's it's more or less like that classic story of the unlikely pairing you know right oh very much so yeah yeah two people that might be polar opposites um, there might be some resistance there, but you know, eventually they kind of, uh, grow together and probably learn a lot from each other and realize they probably, you know, benefit from one another. No, it's cool. That's a, it, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a winning formula. 
So we expect it to be coming out hopefully at the end of the year. Uh, end of the year, it's like it's, we're hoping to have it finished for summer. But you know how the buying and selling of movies happens, so we're probably leaning towards the end of next year for people to start getting it to see. So it. was it coming into a feature uh, like this? Was it? I mean, obviously, over the past few years, you've been trying to chip away at the feature thing. Uh, and I believe me, just talking to you on the outside, I, I know the stress is behind it. But now that you're actually deep in it, was it um, more difficult than you thought it would be uh, coming from kind of doing your own shorts and things like that and indie stuff? Or was it just a greater undertaking than you, you might have bargained for? Talk about some of the feelings. So you're having just finished it, like at least principal photography. What are your feelings? What were your feelings initially well, wrapping? You should know, because you know me a long time, that I'm fairly uncensored. It was one of the most traumatic, disturbing experiences of my life. Um, I still have nightmares. No bullshit. It was horrible. Um, and let me explain why. So first off, you know, you make a movie for a few days, a short, no problem. You go through some stress. Maybe you're rushing. Maybe you don't get the footage you want. Yeah, that's part of the business. But this was different because the first, it's my first experience using, working with unions. And what you should know is that unions in Ireland are serious. They are rough. <laughs> Um, and although they were pretty reasonable, it was tough to work under union rules. Um, and they were very stringent in Ireland, particularly in Ireland, because we're a union kind of country. Um, so that was very difficult to have to really sort of tippy-toe around all the rules and regulations I hadn't really done, because I was, I was a guy who just grab a camera and say, well, you know, we got to shoot till they're finished. This time, no, we have to, you know, I have to sh break for lunch. I have to break for coffee. I'd set up a shot. Oh, no, 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 got to break for lunch. And if I was going 15 minutes over, people would put tools down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was, it was tough. And the problem was it was a lot more money than I'm used to working with. So the, there was a lot of people. Uh, I'm used to working on smaller. I mean, I've had some biggish crews because I also worked in other films as, as camera, as editing, as everything. So I've done it, but I've never worked with uh, such a big crew. And we had like sort of 40 people, you know, 40, 50 people, which is not that big, but it's big for, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was tough, uh, as well. Um, and the thing is, it was just, it was chaotic because we were supposed to have a 30 day shoot. We ended up with uh, 21 days. So that was, I can tell you <laughs> was a big, a big massive rush. And there was one day, our last day we had to shoot 20 scenes. I mean, it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, but we got it done. And the thing is we got good stuff and the cinematography is pretty pretty epic i mean we shot with very expensive cameras very expensive lenses and i had a russian cinematographer so it's it's got that soviet feel uh which is very different for irish films particularly cuz irish films tend to look very um should we say everyday they tend to use shoot very much like television for the most part hmm. and we were going crazy i mean we we had some insane angles we were doing everything was on like uh, easy rigs and movies, which are all these stabilizers, and we were twisting the camera all over the place. It was really quite transgressive, um, and especially because the themes of the movie were so were so you know drunken and aggressive, it really worked with the camera work. Um, so no, it was it was very very tough, and you know the problem is the pressure. I mean, I was working seven days a week, no problem there, but uh, I was sleeping maybe about three hours a night, uh, and like. We were just, you know, it was long driving because I was driving across the country to get to the locations. And like I said, the problem was is that if you drive in this country more than an hour in any direction, 
um, past an hour past uh, HQ or the main location, you have to give an hour uh, driving back for the for the crew and an hour driving there. So basically, my twelve hour day would suddenly turn into nine hours, and then I'd have to like. So it was trying to do a lot with very little and being very struck stuck on the on the on the rules which I'm not used to cuz for me you know you 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 pay me you I work I'll work any day I don't care uh Christmas Valentine's Day don't give a shit it kind of sounds like the equivalent of when there's a band and they're on an indie label that kind of lets them kind of you know fly their flag they, the way they want to and then they sign to a major label and then they have all these stipulations you know, they have all this uh, structure behind them now, right? And this mm-hmm. pressure. But that's what it sounds like to me. But continue. Yeah. So, yeah, no. So, so basically, it was, it was very difficult. And the fact that it was a very emotional film for me, because, I mean, obviously, I write from the heart. I wrote, the, it was sort of semi-autobiographical to a point. So it was very difficult subject matter. And, um, you know, with the pressures of, of trying to get it done, the pressures of trying to keep it to budget and get it, uh, you know, and we had every kind of problem you could have. I mean, that we had turned up to one location and there had been a blizzard the night before. So I arrived there and I couldn't shoot any of my scenes because, you know, the day before it was all, it was all dry. The next day I'm in four inches of snow. So I had to lose the day and, you know, that's, you know, I had to drive everybody back and we managed to get like, I don't know, four scenes at another location that didn't have any snow. And it was those kind of problems that we had. And then we locations would fall and then we lost some crew. And then I had some, some internal problems as well. I had to fire a few people over, over some creative differences. Uh, And that also led to a lot more problems on the production. Um, But I mean, the flip side to it, it's, it's, Anyone who's really into passionate about things like film will understand that as as difficult as it gets, as hard as it gets. Um, and there were times throughout this film, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to quit. This is not for me. I'm not going to do it. I, why the hell am I even here? And then by the end of the shoot, I was like, you know what? I can't wait to make another one. Yeah. And so it's a kind of like, it's a, it's a sort of insanity to do it because it is traumatic. You, you do not sleep enough. You are not paid anywhere near enough money. And, you know, it's, you're, you're playing with personalities and with other problems that you wouldn't get in another workplace, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, in any other business, you do not give people driving time <laughs> because they have to travel. I mean, it doesn't happen, but in mm-hmm. film industry, it's different. And it was, it was, it was rough. But if you keep pushing towards it, though, maybe your end goal is if you get successful enough that it can be more on your terms, you know, once you, once you kind of get sure. down the line a but little bit. But this was the big, this was the big thing for me because I mean, jumping from, you know, you have sort of really independent and then you have what the union thing. And I got into the union thing and that was very difficult because like I said, it's a different way of working. It's far more regulated. It's more like television mm-hmm. uh, and television mm-hmm. is very regulated. It's Monday to Friday, you know? Yeah. Um, but independent film by nature is not that. Independent film is, is, is people coming together to try and push something that is artistic, that is, you know, not necessarily financially, uh, gonna pay up. But, but television is, is painting my numbers. It, it's a factory. You know, you produce stuff and you produce things on a, on a, on a, on a belt system. You know what I mean? You know, you, they yeah. come in, they shoot five hours, you get this much footage, and then they, you know, you have five or six guys in the editing room 
chop it at all together and it's it's on television by Friday. People wonder, you know, it's it's a different way. You, you're talking about all this stuff and you're talking about the hardships and the stress behind it. And, you know, you have the moments of of questioning, you know, how ah, do I want to be in this uh, business only to once again at the end be like, no, I can't wait to do it all over again. You, people wonder why artist types, you know, <laughs> torture themselves. But isn't that like the old expression? You bleed for your art, you suffer for your art. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird relationship we have with it. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I'm glad you didn't let it get to you, man. Cause like I said, I was kind of listening to you along the way and stuff like that. I, I kind of secondhand felt some of your stress and whatever. And I knew you'd come around. I knew you'd be there at the end being like, oh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all, it's all good. But I, I think it's going to be great, man. I believe in you. And I also realized halfway through being miserable with my movie and I was thinking, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. I realized that I actually haven't got any skills. I've been spent my whole life preparing for this. So I ain't got a choice. I got to, I got to push forward. And Mm -hmm. it made me smile because when you have that kind of opinion, you kind of sort of say to yourself, well, it's like, you better just swallow it and go forward. And that's what, what this movie has definitely taught me is like, I did, I did have a moment where I was, I was really questioning it. And I said, you know what? Anything that's worthwhile, you have to suffer for. Yeah, ba- and so, exactly. As you said, you've got to do it, and you know, and it it may work, it may not, but you're still going to get back up on that horse and do it again. Mm-hmm. Baptism by fire, man. Everything that's like you said Baptism worth doing by fire. Everything that's worth doing is going to take its pound of flesh. It's just the way it is. Oh, you yeah. know, we've only we've only got so much life in us, you know, and those sort of things that we put out. I mean, maybe it's going to burn that candle a little more. You might get a little older. You might, your hair might gray a bit more. We might even bald from it. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're leaving an imprint and yeah, I feel you, man cut from the same cloth. I think, uh, so the movie's going to come out, um, the end of the year, you hope end of 2018, uh, which by the way, you said it was kind of autobiographical. I'm I'm kind of like that too. I mean, I think I think all the best writing and, and creativity is going to come from the heart. Uh so are you trying to say that you were uh, a metalhead asshole or <laughs> I don't know what. Uh well, I have I have been known. So, no, the, the thing is, you know, you write you write the way I write. I mean, I'd love to be one of these guys who could write a slasher. Can't do it. Try it. Useless. It's ass. For me, the only way I can write is by sort of reflecting on things that I have in my life, my past, the things that I'm enduring, and mm-hmm. using that as a kind of um, using that as a basis to to and I and I'll window dress it. Don't get me wrong; I'm not sitting there doing coffee table drama because that would just kill me as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I I dress it in in the form of a, a monster movie or in the form of a of a badass chick, you know, because that that makes it interesting for me. But a lot of the themes, a lot of the, um, shall I say the pain, uh, would, would be stuff that I've kind of done or endured or, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's always, it's, it's art. So you can kind of, you can add to it, but yeah, no, it's, it's legit. Um, it's, it's what I do. It's always what I've done. And that's why for me, it's very difficult working. And that's why I'm not able to work very fast because I have to revel in it for a long amount of time before I can kind of come put any sense to it. Um, I have a friend who's a writer and he, he's he, far more successful than I am, but he's able to completely disconnect himself from the work. I mean, he, he'll write spy novels or, and, and scripts for Hollywood spec scripts and he's successful. He'll, he'll get them off the ground and, and, and made, 
but he's completely separate from his work. Like he goes, he clocks off, it's off. For me, it doesn't clock off ever. You know, I wake up at night and I've got, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reliving the things that I write. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I go method. Like, I mean, not to sound really pretentious, but like I, I adapt the, the traits that I do with my characteristics and my character. Um, this character in particular, um, w- listened to a lot of vinyl. So I spe- I found myself sort of getting into vinyl. I never, I was a CD guy for years and I never, never, I, you know, vinyl went over my head because I, I grew up in the CD generation. Why the fuck would I want to get into vinyl? And mm. I think it was even, I had a conversation with you about this when I first, uh, started. So I, I got a, I got a vinyl player and I started getting the records because there's a whole thing in this movie about her flipping records. And I kind of had, I had to feel that I had to be part of that. And now, now I'm obsessed vinyl listener. I got a whole shelf full of them, but it started because of that. It, because of that, that sort of almost kind of like, it's almost like religious, that whole way you put the record on the needle, the whole thing. It's, it's, it's almost religious. And that's what I put in this character because it, it, there is something kind of symbolic and, and beautiful when one actually does, you know, put on a record. Uh, so what you're saying, your music fans will definitely feel me on so, that one. I think with re- vinyl, man, it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's just the romantic aspect of, it's more you know, of an the, experience. The, the sleeve. You, like you said, dropping the needle, it's extra tangible. But honestly, the people that say vinyl sounds better, I, I'm kind of against that. Uh, I think the, the vibe, I think it means more. You got a big old record. Um, it's an intimate thing. You're putting that record on. You don't have anything else cluttering your space. It's like, I'm listening to this record. I'm listening to this four songs. Then I have to flip it over and listen to this four songs. You're giving it ultimate attention. But I think, I think, I think you can prefer the sound of vinyl, the warm. I, I get that. I think CDs are totally fine personally, but. Oh, well, uh, I, I do both to be perfectly honest. I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, a dedicated CD guy. The problem is with CDs and vinyl. Obviously, vinyl is more expensive. So a lot of the time, the um, the companies that produce the vinyl will often uh, the way they compress the music is better for for sound um, clarity and 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 uh, thickness. And it's not a quality thing. It's a, the quality often comes from the mastering because I've got CDs that will piss all over vinyl, right? I have a carcass, right? You got, you like carcass. Um, I love carcass. What is it? Love, what's that one called? Um, love, love. What's the one? Shit. What's it called? Um, heartwork. Heartwork. Thank you. Heartwork. heartwork so yeah. Brain freeze. So I have heartwork on vinyl and I have it on CD. Mm-hmm. And I bought the vinyl because um, Earache re- reissued it. And I was like, fuck yeah, remastered from from the original tapes. Put it on. Sounded like bullshit, right? Worst crap ever. Put on the CD. CD had loads more dynamic range. It was really bassy. It was more like rough. It was awesome. So that's a perfect example where CD beat the bejesus out of, this, out of the vinyl. But then I got other stuff that, you know, it makes it depends completely on the mastering. Mm-hmm. I the guy in I was my telling, opinion, I've told you about artists. I mean, he's modern. Stephen Wilson, he records all his stuff in Dolby surround, you know, and he'll put them on DVDs, and therefore, like the seven point whatever surround, and it's just an insane experience. And you know, obviously, he's a modern artist. His stuff's on vinyl too, but he prefers. He's like, no, it's got to be on the best format. You know, he likes vinyl too, but he's like, no, it's like, if I want to do what I want to do with the surround and the whole deal, I I put, I use uh, the technology available to me. 
Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh, now he does. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a genius, man. In fact, that was, remember me pitching him? Uh, <laughs> remember me pitching him? It's like, that's somebody that would be cool to work with on a film as far as like soundscapes and soundtracks. That guy's a genius. But uh, yeah, you can do a lot, man, with what you're handed. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with music, look, <laughs> what do you prefer? Playing in your car or playing off your CD player? I mean, it, it depends, you know, it's, it's also what music are you listening to and when? You know, Correct. a lot of music comes from, from, from what, where you're at. You know what I mean? I mean, I listen to stuff sometimes in my car and it just, it hits me at the right moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also listen to stuff on my, on my, on my iPod and it's like, fuck yeah. I mean, look, it, it's, you can't be a snob about it either. Come on. It's for all times. Mm-hmm. No, all man. Formats. I, I, I want to say I'm a purist and I still buy physical media and I do, but I have Spotify like everybody else. The convenience is great. You know, when I go to the gym, Spotify's amazing. You go to the gym, you got it wherever you go. Do I want to keep CD, a big book of CDs in my car? No, I don't. I mean, I don't, it's, it's nice. So I do settle for Spotify and honestly, I'm pretty happy with it. It's pretty nice to have a a cell phone with literally all the music you could ever want at, at the palm of your hand. It's pretty great. I agree. I have it as well. I love it. I frame my vinyl on the wall. It's still, everything still has its place here. Um, and I'm okay with it. Uh, going back really quick, uh, when you were talking about your friend uh, being able to uh, sort of separate himself from his work, I don't know. I would think that no matter what you're writing, even subconsciously, there's something connecting you to it. That's that's me. Like if I was writing, okay, I'm going to write, uh, I'm going to write my own Rambo sequel or uh, something like Rambo. I, obviously, I'm not a Green Beret, and obviously, I'm not a one man army. But my connection would be. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be like that guy, right? You want, you fantasized about being like that hero, you know? So it's like, this is, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, mm-hmm. There has to be some sort yeah, of connection Yeah, to sure. It. But, but you see, it's funny that you talk about Rambo. Now, Rambo, I would say, it ha- has a lot of deeper stuff going on there, you know? Because Rambo is, is a guy who's, who's sort of surrounded in, in solitude, you know? Suffered he, loss, rejection, yeah. He doesn't fit in. I mean, if he's basically every teenager's... Um, journey through high school, you know, I mean, he's isolated. He can't, he doesn't fit in. There's no place for him. You know, there's no happy girlfriend or a happy wife. You know, he's just, you know, he's, he's been, he's found a niche that he is good at, but not necessarily that makes him happy. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, Rambo itself is kind of like, it's a very interesting dynamic, uh, as a, as a character, you know, I mean, it's it, the, the guy's journey is one of, of, of being uh, solitude, you know. He doesn't find, you know, he can't find happiness in the world. I mean, I would say when you get past all the external of, of you know, the muscles and the machine guns and, and mm-hmm. blowing up uh, Charlie in Vietnam, it's it's actually a, a, about a guy who, who it's like Rocky, a, a guy who's kind of down and out, who finds who finds a place or is trying to find a place. And he, he revels in the chaos, you know. I mean, anyway, as in Rambo, he really does. But but it's the same with all those. I mean, Stallone was always fantastic at this kind of stuff. I mean, his writing is next level, I would always argue, mm-hmm. because he has this ability to capture real emotions and put them in a really dynamic kind of storyline with these amazing kind of uh, action-packed, especially it's the stuff he did in, back in the day. Holy hell. I still look back at that generation and think we had it all growing up. And I look at what kids have today, and I think you guys are, are the – intellectual peasants you guys have nothing 
they have Fast and Furious now for their action flag bearers. I'm like, no, oh. the 80s was a different ball game, man. Um, and I think Zach, I don't even know, if Zach, even if you know, but I'm the biggest, and you know, I'm the biggest Stallone fan in the world. And that's obviously why I kind of referenced that. But dude, R- Rocky and Rambo are two of the best cinematic characters ever, ever written. They're both insanely complicated. Uh, Rambo in particular, he's the anti-hero, right? He's the flawed hero. Um, Absolutely. He's the, he's the martyr. He's the action Jesus. He gives all, gets nothing in return. And that's always been the most fascinating character ever. Uh, and Zach, to kind of put it in maybe lingo you would understand, you can tell Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid series was based off a Rambo-type character, right? Mm-hmm. His art even ends like Rambo. He's the guy that doesn't get the girl at the end. He sacrifices everything. All he does is give, 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 and there's no parade for him at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, I would never want to write a perfect character ever. And thank God a movie like Die Hard came out in the late 80s, you know, which kind of created the modern action movie is what they call it, which I even, which is funny because the modern action movie's dead now, too. I mean, that's not even – but. Someone like John McClane, he was awesome. He wasn't stacked. He didn't have all his muscles. He was imperfect. He was an alcoholic. He was dirty. His wife hated him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, those are the cool characters, man. There's something to be said about, you know, uh, the the commandos, right? Where it's just a guy that just kicks ass and takes names. That's fun, too. But to me, they don't have a lot of weight as far as it, it's good for a laugh and it's good to escape for two hours and watch Commando. But, man, I I take characters like Rocky and Rambo and all that stuff. And you, you can have deep discussions about them. How deep of a discussion can we have about fucking John matrix in commando? You really can't. We'll just, we'll just kind of quote some of his one-liners and have a good time doing it. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. They should have had a Rambo and commando team up Rambo commando. Well, commando is just a rip off of Rambo. I know the uh, John Rambo, John matrix. But yeah, I love that stuff, man. Can't wait for Creed too, by the way. I loved Creed. Did you watch Creed Randall? I have not watched Creed yet. You uh, are fucking I'm looking bogus. Forward to that. It's on my, I have it. I have it. I have it. It's one of those things that I'm going to treat myself, right? I've got it on blue. Gonna, gonna, but you know, the thing is right nowadays, when I look at films, I mean, there's so few good films, right? That come out. Yeah. I mean, there's a real drought. I mean, Disney, Star Wars, seriously, just fuck off. You know, I mean, the worst. Um, and you've got all this stuff. I go to the cinema constantly wanting to go and see something. And I always turn around and walk out the place because there's yeah. nothing. There's uh-huh. a drought. So when I do, I have this like little shelf of all the cool stuff that I know is going to be, is going to be awesome. But these days I have to give it because there's so little of it. I give it my proper attention. You know, I need to, the, everything needs to be perfect. I need to order a pizza. It needs to be, it needs to be perfectly housed in a perfect evening. So like mm-hmm. I don't I don't casually watch stuff like I used to anymore because there's well, so little good stuff around. I'll tell you two things. The first thing is please watch Creed. It's fucking amazing. It's it's very very good. Um it's it's classic rocky storytelling through a uh, sort of a modern filter from an urban director and Stallone will pull at your heartstrings. The kid will pull at your heart. It's fucking amazing. It's really he deserved to win the Oscar. Did Stallone not direct it? He didn't. Uh oh. he he didn't, he just, yeah, he just, this is the only one where he, uh, he just kind of acted in it and he provided, uh, support, you know, like conditioning the story and stuff. But this young, the young newcomer, Ryan Coogler, he, he wrote it and directed it and everything else. And he actually pitched it to Sloan and got him to come out and do it. And it's fucking amazing. Um, 
but Stallone wrote Creed 2, and he was actually going to direct Creed 2 until he actually just dropped out last week. I don't know what that's for, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing, because Stallone does really well when he's not directing the movie, I've noticed. That has nothing to do with it. And God knows, if Stallone's not officially the director, you know he's directing, right? He's He's there kind of helping. He's assistant directing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's what he kind of did with Creed. Mm-hmm. But definitely watch it; it's amazing, and I want to know your opinions on it. But I, I still love it. Uh, the second thing I want to say is get ready for more of that saturation because obviously Disney acquired Fox, and we've got a near monopoly on our hands, right? Which is really scary. So somebody in the film industry, like yourself, or that likes films, what's your opinion on that? To me, that's scary, man. I don't think I like it. Uh, Disney, because think uh. about it, Disney now. Disney now owns. Pretty much every top 10 highest grossing box office franchise except for Harry Potter. Like, it's, and I, give it time. Maybe they'll, they'll score Harry Potter. But they own Star Wars. They own all the Marvel shit. They obviously have their in-house products. Now they own Fox, man. They own the Aliens. They own the Diehards. They own X-Men now. They got all that. And which, for a fan's perspective, that's what they're kind of selling it on. Oh, you know, Marvel Studios is going to get all the Fox characters back. That's great and all. But... I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to live in a world where Disney owns everything. I mean, are they going to neuter everything? Is it going to be Star Like I said, Star Wars. Look what they've done to Star Wars. I mean, look, I mean, I, I gave Star Wars a, a proper chance, right? Because I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I love all that shit. I grew up with that. And, you know, the, the episode one, two, and three, you know, when the people came out, they hated on it. And I thought, well, you know, George Lucas has something. He, he's able to tell, you know, I mean, he's not always the best writer. His dialogues aren't always the best, but what he is able to do is he's Rarely able to best. capture very, very heavy Shakespearean style storytelling with all these uh, massive, crazy explosions and, and this, you know, crazy thing that's going on in Star Wars. And I watched episode, what, seven with that chick. Uh, it was awful. It was like being tortured. And I said to myself, I'm like, you know, what? I don't want these people to have my money. They can piss off. Uh, they, they can, they, they obviously took no, you know, I know George Lucas left them a whole like Bible full of stuff that they could have used to, to do like another 10 movies, which would have been fine. It would have had some of the bare bones. They could have got a whole bunch of writers to, to rewrite that stuff. And it still would have had something, but that last one was so bad. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I left the place angry and I said, no, I'm not going to pay any money for episode eight. And I I missed Rogue whatever it was three point five. I heard that was horrible. I heard Rogue One was horrible, man. I heard it was bad. Minus the the last scene where Vader shows up. I heard it was just a, a trotting fucking. That's what I thought. I mean, look, it's Disney. It's a it's a new world, right? I'm I'm old. I'm a dinosaur. I, I you know my generation is over. Like we're 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 obsolete. These new kids nowadays they they like Star Wars. They want to watch Harry Potter, and that's fine. That that's their thing. Um, you know, I grew up. In the '90s, so you know, Snake Plissken was my was my guy, and uh, you know, guys Me like too. that, and you know, they don't they don't have that shit now. And even they they start doing these reboots, and excuse me, they can fuck off with Snake Plissken. They're mm-hmm. gonna ruin that too. Um, and that's it's gonna be shit. And and that Thor guy can piss off. He's crap. Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> he's gonna play him supposedly. Oh come on, man. He he is not Kurt Russell, dude. Not, look, the, not dude, in a million that, years. That is the equivalent. Russell. That is the equivalent, which, by the way, yeah, if Vin Diesel walked past me, I wouldn't give a shit. I see these people sometimes. I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Kurt Russell? All right. I might, you know, fanboy a little bit. Kurt Russell's the man. But, yeah, you're right, man. I, recasting someone like Snake Plissken, it's like recasting Rambo. It's just synonymous with that actor. You can't do it. 
I mean, you yeah. can, but no one's going to take you seriously. And and he's so beige, man. I mean, that's the problem. It's so beige. Like, it's not, you know, the cool thing about Kurt Russell is, like, he's not this perfect Adonis of a man. He was a bit rough around the edges. Anyone who's ever seen um, Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, come on, dude. The guy, the guy looks legit. He's not, mm-hmm. he's like Bruce Willis. He wasn't the perfect model type guy. I look at Chris Hemsworth, and I thought they they got him out of a giant factory where they pumped all this like testosterone and and everything that a woman would like. They basically they they had a bunch of women sit down in a in a boardroom and take notes on how to design the perfect kind of male, and they chugged it into a factory, and out he came. And now he's Thor. Now he's uh, you know Snake Plissken, and he could fuck off. No way. Not going to watch it. Are you going to ask me to retract this interview if you get uh, Chris Hemsworth on a future movie? <laughs> uh, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, I love you, man. Awesome. Because <laughs> he'll bring in L- some money. Love the hair. Exactly. Yeah. Did you see the amazing looking new remake of Overboard? There's an Overboard remake? Yeah. Oh, No Jesus. fucking way. It's got Anna Faris in it. What? Oh, I kind of like her, though. This is ridiculous. And the thing is, is Hollywood's not going to stop. Uh, churning out these remakes and sequels and and reboots. Well, I thought that until they canceled Ridley Scott, which was a good thing. Bloody hell! What they cancel? Thank fuck they pulled the plug on that. On what? The new Aliens. Alien. Uh, they announced it two days ago or whatever. Oh, because I mean, I went to see Alien Covenant, and that was that was another one that was like being tortured. Fucking hell, man! A like, lot of problems. A lot of problems, man. Oh, God. Well, it didn't make any sense. I was like, I was sitting there scratching my head thinking that I must have missed. There must have been a second one that I missed. And I was sort of wondering, like, how they managed to convince James Franco to just be on YouTube. Because that was all he was in that movie. Yeah. Holy hell. He shows up and, in everything now. Yeah, I mean, oh, God. I watched that terrible movie with him in it the other night called The Vault. And bear in mind, right, this this... The, the little blurb was pretty awesome, right? It was like basically a haunted, uh, bank vault during a robbery. And I thought, oh, awesome. How can you fuck that up? Uh, but they did. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Shit. Basically, I don't, I don't know what Netflix does. Yeah. But they managed to find the scourge of all bad cinema and plunk it all on one channel. Fuck. Dude, I heard Netflix was in serious debt. Like they're constantly in just massive debt. You know, and then when Disney okay. comes out with their streaming service in 2019, now that they've got all these properties and they're going to strip Netflix of all those properties, they might get crushed. I mean, that, I mean, obviously, a business like Netflix, they've they've been planning for this. They're not dummies, right? That's why they've been pushing their original content and growing that into a robust catalog over the past few years because they know rights are going to lapse and you know they they aim to lose some of that stuff in the future. So. I uh, better hope their original content's strong enough because, dude, Disney's going to come out swinging because they're going to have The Simpsons. They're going to have fucking Star Wars. They're going to have all their fucking Disney movies. They're going to have Marvel. And they're they're just going to have so much shit to just wallop people with, which is kind of scary. And uh, Disney uh, Disney bought, like I said, Fox and their, their TV, too. So they get Simpsons. And Fox had the principal share in Hulu. So now they're going to have the controlling... Uh, the controlling share of Hulu too. So who knows what they could do there? Like literally they're going to have a, uh, a stronghold on it, which is, it's scary, man. People are not, people are not going to, it's not going to stop with the reboots and the, and the all that. Even the, even though the Ridley Scott thing you said happened, 
that's that's fine and all. I didn't hear about that, by the way. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't believe that because a, a few days prior, I mean, last week he was talking about how they're still going forward with a third one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just keeps losing money. Why would you? And I, honestly, this will kind of like go back, but that's proof to me. You know, Ridley Scott. I'm not necessarily a fan of directors. I never have been. Um, because you could ask me my favorite movies. I've always said my favorite movie, if you know, gun to the head question is the original alien. And it's not because of Ridley Scott. It's because everything is a perfect storm. You know, Ridley Scott was the right guy at the right time. The script by Dan O'Bannon was fantastic, simply fantastic. Uh, and, um, uh, the cinematography was gorgeous. Uh, even the tagline, the marketing, you know, in space, no one can hear you scream. Everything about that movie was perfect. Absolutely perfect. So it was a perfect storm. Uh, Ridley Scott's made shit movies. He's made other good movies. He's made bad movies. Obviously, he can go back and <laughs> attach himself to the franchise, that same franchise, and still make a not a good movie, right? Um, because you've changed the formula, right? So I don't know, but people aren't going to stop. They're going to keep putting out these reboots, these remakes, because people still go see them. The kids are younger. That's kind of what they're catered to. They're used to getting four Marvel movies and, and four Star Wars movies a year that kind of have the same format formula, you know, which, you know, can be entertaining, but it doesn't challenge Hollywood to come up with new ideas. That's for sure. You know, mm. and no, you, but there's there there is that problem now because that that's fine. They're going to keep knocking them off and fair play. They're making keep money. Seeing them. But this is why I'm saying people people need to stop. Stop going to see them. You know what I mean? If they want them to change, they, they gotta, won't vote with their wallets, man. Yeah. That's, Dude, that's how you hit them. Now, I, I think it's kind of interesting what you said about Netflix because Netflix is trying their own stuff, right? Now, personally, I don't think they do good content. I mean, I've watched a couple of their series. Not impressed. I tried to watch Ozark. Couldn't give a fuck. I heard that's um, amazing. I haven't watched it yet. You didn't like it? Uh, didn't, didn't like it. I've heard nothing but great things about Ozark. So anyway, continue. I mean, the the thing is, right? Uh, don't get me wrong; it has potential. I watched an episode or two. didn't didn't wow me. I kind of thought, yeah, I know where it's kind of going. No problem. Um, I tried. What was the other one? The the mist. Oh fuck me, fuck me solid. That was that was that got cool. canceled after one season. Don't bother. I fucking love. The oh, Frank it got Dan- canceled. Hey God, yes. Yeah, so don't even invest any time. I don't. In it. It got I canceled. don't think Netflix. Oh uh, well, that I one. did. I watched the. You know, because I I I like that shit, man. I I gotta. I'm not gonna lie. I actually sat through the whole season, and I was like, it is absolute tripe. The Frank Darabont movie is amazing too. I, I'd rather just stick with the movie. I love the Thomas Jane Frank Darabont uh, miss movie. It's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 one of the best it's one of the best horror movies I in would the last say, decade the last or whatever. 15, whatever. 20 years for sure. It's 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 a mo- it's one of the rare modern masterpieces, yeah. I agree completely. But you know, so I said, you know, I'll give it the time because I like the I like the concept, you know. Uh they're mm-hmm. stuck in a shop, they're stuck in a shopping center, mist everywhere, monsters come out. What more do you need? Um but they they fucking made a mess of it. Um, but I'm not impressed. Their stuff just tends to be very, very easy going. It's very, it's, it's vanilla. You know what I mean? It's but, not, but that's again, the problem. Though, Nobody's taking any chances. You just said, okay, it had a good theme going. I like the concept, you know, kind of barricaded in a store, miss monsters. Okay. But once again, we got that with a movie. <laughs> they, they, they've rehashed sure. something into a television series. It's like, that's what they're doing too. We've got all these we got Fargo, the series, even though people love that. It's just we got always – even TV's the same way. 
uh, I miss old TV. I miss regular sitcoms. I miss old stuff. Um, you know, there's some good series on Netflix. I'm, I'm not going to lie. They have so much, though. It can't all be good. Like, it's ridiculous. I remember when they just had House of Cards, and then they had Orange is the New Black. Now you it's know, like, I still haven't seen that yet. Never but seen they, it myself. But they canceled that now, right? Because the, your man is a bit of a – he's a touchy-feely guy, right? It's not my fucking man. But, uh, <laughs> but no, they uh, – yeah, they, they're not going to – quite cancel it they're gonna finish it off with one more season without him they're gonna and i think it's gonna be a short Ugh, season you know, th- this is this is my thing this is my problem that i have with all this right don't get me wrong the guy's probably guilty again i got no and i couldn't give a shit what what happens to him but mm-hmm. what, what i think is really wrong with culture nowadays is how we quickly will accept uh accusation as fact we right even this thing with harvey weinstein i mean everybody knows the guy is a pig I mean, we dealt with him for, for some rights over something. And he was a pig, no doubt. But back in the old days, being a pig wasn't enough to get you fired or to be ostracized from your, from your community. You actually had to go to court. You had to actually be convicted. And then you were a pig and then you'd get, you know, thrown out of your community. But nowadays, someone just merely points their finger and screams, oh, my God, he did this or I did that or whatever is enough to suddenly make you little Hitler. We live in a dogpile generation. And it seems so trivial. And at the time when stuff like social media came out, MySpace, Facebook came out, oh, it's just something cool to share cat videos and, and, and baby pictures. Dude, Facebook and Twitter has changed the world. Uh, look at the president, look at how people use it. And that's where it all comes from. If social media did not exist, uh, this whole judge jury executioner via Facebook wouldn't, wouldn't be here either. Cause that's what it is. Everybody lives mm. connected and everybody dogpiles and it becomes trending. It becomes hashtag and people can voice their opinions. It, that's how people it's like to, it's meant to what I see today because people are like, it's, it's the same as, as back in the day when you would accuse someone of being a witch. And then everybody mm-hmm. burns them at the stake. Now, I'm not saying that none of these guys aren't perverts or or or, or they didn't do anything wrong. I'm sure course, they did. But it breaks the system. Mm-hmm. If we're so concerned about people like Harvey Weinstein, if we're so concerned about people like Kevin Spacey, why is Roman Polanski getting Oscars? Yeah. Because that guy is not – that's not an accusation. That guy actually did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he fled justice. You know, I mean, what Kevin Spacey may or may have not done is still, you know, to be to be decided, still has to go through any kind of – if there has been any kind of real complaint, it'll go through the authorities. But that is not a reason to remove a guy from his job. And he does a pretty good job, uh, touchy-feely or no touchy-feely. I mean, as I buy him as, a, as, a, as, a, as an actor. And that's what I'm paying. It's the same as I pay uh, money to my electrician to fix my lights, right? I don't give a shit what he does off the clock. Everybody's trying to protect their own skin, right? So Kevin Spacey works for Netflix or he's got a certain movie under the belt. Uh, all this backlash is going out there. So they're instantly going to cut ties with them because they're going to save face. Kevin Spacey say- actually directed a movie that Netflix was going to put out. And now they're just setting on it. Yeah, I mean, and who knows, maybe that'll come out way down the line, but everybody's got to disconnect from something and they're all going to put out, you know, the CEO of Netflix or their marketing people are going to put out, uh, their PR people are going to put out some kind of statement saying, oh, we don't condone this or that. It's damage control because are you trying to say that nobody- oh, no, I, in- I, I get I get damage control. But no, it's, it's true. No, we shouldn't. People in fucking Facebook comments have become 
judge, jury, and executioner, and they decide your fate. It's a scary world we live in. We were talking about this, uh, Zach and I, uh, fast forward five years from now, 10 years now, if, if him or I or somebody were any, anybody in this planet right now, actually, if we're in a place of power or position in any way, we've worked our lives and we've built up something that we've just strived for our entire existence. And then somebody digs up one of our old podcasts where we're making a joke, you know, and then our career could be over wherever that is. You know what I'm saying? And, and even this conversation that we're having, guys, Absolutely. technically, come back we're on us. the border. We're on the knife edge here, right? Now, as a result of my statement. People think, people confuse, we're not defending anything bad. Just because we're vocalizing uh, our opinions on the way things are being ran right now, it's it's not, I'm not saying, yeah, yay for women getting abused, yay for people abusing their power. That's horrible. But we do have a system, and believe me, you can't take away all order or it's going to crumble because I'm not going to say that um, I'm not going to say that 99. Sure. We can even say, let's say 99% of people that come out with accusations uh, is true. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure the vast majority of them are true, but you're a fool. If you're going to try and tell me that there's not at least 1% that are making it up and they have, they don't have some sort of ulterior no, motive. But, but also you just said it. Accusation. Accusation. An exactly. accusation has if, if there is a complaint, it's made. And then if there if it's pursued, that becomes fact. Because once, you know, it goes to a court or whatever and you know, there's time for people to, to, to present evidence. Because I could accuse I could accuse Kevin Spacey of something. I mean, forget it's it but the problem is all I have to do is say it. All you have to do is call up the sun and be like, hey, Kevin Spacey raped me when I was a kid in New York. Yeah, I, I ran into him one yeah. day. They're going to pick up on a story and it's going to spread like wildfire. And all you need is somebody else to kind of maybe piggyback on it. Then you're done, man. It's just – but I, I, you got to have – It's scary because, you know what I mean, we're looking at the entertainment industry, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're sort of in a funny situation, right? Because we had obviously the star system that you read about with your, you know, your, your people like Cagney and Bogart and back in the day, your Cary Grants. And then you kind of had this sort of, well, I don't even know what you would call it now, these superstar, superhero type, uh, celebrities that we have nowadays. Yet everybody is very, very scared. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, it is literally a house of cards because you saw how quickly everything went to dust with the Weinstein scandal. And they uh-huh. were talking about removing his name from films that he had made. Now, the guy might be a pig. I think everybody agrees he's probably a pig. But the thing is, it doesn't take away his work, his contribution to the arts. Now, he may be of, uh, like, like with Polanski, I would not for one minute, um, take anything away from Polanski in terms of his art, in terms of what he has done. To, for cinema, I would question his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, mm-hmm. home behavior and what he does off clock, but that's, that's something else. But you can't remove, it's like, it's like those guys, you know, everybody likes to talk about China, right? Because the Chinese destroyed their history, you know, they, they, or the Nazis burned the books. It's the same kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you can't destroy history. It's you know the I mean? classic question of can you separate the man from the act, right? And uh, Jerry Seinfeld did an interview lately, and somebody somebody asked him about. So can you? Because Bill Cosby was like you know the greatest comedian to him and the most important comedian. And he's like, can you separate? Can you still appreciate Bill Cosby and be a fan of Bill Cosby aside from the actions that were uh, brought up against him? And he's like, yes, yes, he can, he can. 
and I think so too, because remember another case in point is remember Zach, uh, just a couple of years ago when Hulk Hogan was under fire, uh, mm-hmm. there was somebody drudged up an old interview, um, where he said the N word in, in a casual manner. Not that that's it, it was good a or sex anything. tape that he said it. No. Oh, was it? I don't know. Whatever. He it said in a casual manner. No, this was an interview. I think it was this a is, sex tape. The sex tape was separate. That was separate. The Gawker thing, totally different. There was right. an interview that came up where he said the N-word. I don't know if he was, I don't know if the mic was hot or something. And it was very casual. I mean, it wasn't malicious or anything, which I'm not saying is, makes it okay. It doesn't. But, dude, wildfire. WWE cut all ties with him. And he was, he's like the, he's the, he's the Toucan Sam, like of cereal to wrestling. He's, he's the guy. Right. And they removed him from the WWE network, all his programming. They took him out of the Hall of Fame because of this, because of that. And I'm thinking, talk about damage control done to the extreme. And I thought to myself, give it a couple of years and they'll they'll start mending ties because they're just, like I said, damage control. But you're taking the guy out of the Hall of Fame. He's in the wrestling Hall of Fame. No one said he's in the character Hall of Fame. He's not in the personality Hall of Fame. He's in the wrestling Hall of Fame. Like, why does, why does that make a difference? That's, to me, that's just going too far. And it's funny you also mentioned about Roman Polanski, something else I noticed, and I might have brought it up to Zach at some point, but this just proves that it's just a, it's just a generational thing. People want to dogpile. People want to trend. People love to see big people fall and they like to speak their voices and type on the computer. They do because case in point, if you did something in the past before this fucking era, you're, you got to pat. Everybody knows what Roman Polanski did, but nobody's going after him. He's not trending. It's not like they're drudging that up again. I'm like, wait, this guy did this. Let's burn him at the stake too. You have people like Roman Polanski. You have people like uh, 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 Sean Connery on videotape with Barbara Walter saying he hit his wife when she needed to be put in line <laughs> in the fucking 80s. You know? You, wow. You, you've ever seen that interview? No. No, I never did. Dude, it's amazing because it's on YouTube YouTube that later. Oh, your jaw will drop because – and he's interviewing with Barbara Walters and Barbara Walters is somebody I guess that dealt with uh, spousal abuse and he's very casual about it. He's very – and she gets – you can see she's appalled. Like you're telling me – he's like – she's like, so you hit her and he's like, you know, when she needs to be put in line, yeah, I give her a slap. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm just saying nobody's well, attacking. And, and, he's, and he's James Bond, man. That's, that's, that's the <laughs> well, gold right ba- there. Back in then, dude, you had fucking movies. You had Steve McQueen movies where he was fucking hitting the, hitting the woman. He's the lead. He's the hero. And he'll just yeah. slap a woman, right? So nobody's backtracking. Nobody's going after Roman Polanski's. No one's going after all these people. It's funny because we know it exists, but it's just it, from here on out. Going forward, we're just going to get I'm, these people. I'm not even saying they should. I mean, I'm just saying... You know, and it, and the entertainment industry is one industry. I mean, have you looked at politics? I mean, do we Dude. even need to drum up the Clintons? Okay, so I mean, exactly. In terms if, of sexual harassment and, and, and all that stuff, I mean, bloody hell. Exactly. If you're going to give people in the past and old cinema uh, from a different era – uh, more, you're not more or less a pass, and let's not go after them because maybe they came from a different time. Then you can't really, you can only attack someone like Donald Trump so much, who's just as fucking old that says something. Just because he said it today doesn't mean he's not from that same time. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm going to get attacked for that, but I'm just yeah. trying to paint some kind of picture. Uh, nobody's perfect. Well, you're you're giving it a perspective, which which for me, I mean, look, whether you like people like him or you like people like Harvey Weinstein or you don't, it's irrelevant. The point is, is that these people do exist. They are represented. So whether you agree with them, whether you think they're pigs or not, that's your right. 
Uh, and, and, you know, you might like the president, you might not. Um, I think we, we've discussed in the past the pros and cons of, of, of all the parties, uh, without going into detail. But the point is with, with people like Trump, I mean, he is what he is. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting Gandhi. You know what I mean? I mean, you had to be high. I mean, you, people put him in because that is a large portion of your modern American society. Not everyone, but that is a large portion. He speaks in a, in a language that a large portion of society today can relate to. And, uh, I would, I would say that that's, that's, you know, that's not, he's not exclusive, but there's a lot of people that are like that. And I, I don't think that they should be, they should be judged just because they are not what we deem appropriate. Case in point, everybody's a hypocrite, by the way. I mean, if you were to hot mic us all day long, everybody, everything we did was recorded and, and surveillanced. Everybody would get in trouble for something they accidentally say or something comes off the wrong way. We all do it. Well, well to um, be fair, guys, we we haven't even got to the end of the interview yet, and we're probably going to get into trouble for this. So. It's, well, it, the <laughs> thing is, is look, it's the same thing. Dog the bounty hunter thing. When he got railroaded, and he some his son called him and tricked him into saying the n word because he knew how to push his father's buttons. He knew how to take him to that level to get him to slip a slur, and he sold it for drug money. You know, he sold his own father down the yeah. road. How do we know someone like Dog the Bounty Hunter or Hulk Hogan? isn't instantly remorseful like how many times have you said something like foot and mouth disease and instantly the second you say it you're like oh i shouldn't have said that that was bad like yeah, I, that, yeah. that came many, out wrong many a time and, and that, that was the other the thing time. remember they had that thing where he was talking about grabbing pussy or whatever or some, some, something like that on on, a, on like a back of a bus or something and oh, everybody got so offended everybody was so offended because he was talking about grabbing grabbing women or something okay and i was laughing to myself because i thought i thought you know what don't get me wrong uh, inappropriate conversation, but it's not like I haven't heard that conversation before. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was you know, inappropriate. Have you ever been to the pub? It yeah, was inappropriate. It, it, it's not. It was it's in not a, excusable. All people, but all the people there. I get it. But he's the president. He has a certain. I get that too. But this is before he was running for president, right? He wasn't um, the president then, as you said. And also, let's let me point out something. It's all about context, right? Because you the people say things often in in context that they don't really mean. Yeah, they say it just for, for, for shits and giggles. And a lot of people before the, the self-righteous come barking at us and going, oh, but, uh, you know, where people shouldn't uh, fuck off. Excuse me. People do speak like that. Even, even the, the, the most, the most vanilla, uh, you know, type people who are gonna, you know, get offended at everything and, and keep their, all their pronouns in order. Not everybody, uh, everybody, sorry, uh, does at some point or another talk shite. And he was what we were calling talking shite. Um, mm-hmm. Was it appropriate? Mm, not really. No, uh, of course not. Is it real? Yes. If you've ever been to a male's locker room, you hear shit like that every single day. I played sports. I heard that conversation word for word many a time. And you know what? I mean, don't get so triggered. Come on. Guess we're, what? We're though? adults. And-, and it's it's 2017. And I'm, I'm not going to be so uh, bold as to say the the numbers are equal, but women talk like that too. Women say things oh, too. Fuck that they w- do. I, yeah, they dude, do. Dude, you should hear the conversations I hear in, on this side of the pond. Dude, women women are colorful when they when they want to talk dirt. They they're colorful. I mean, we men can be a bit primitive, but women can get colorful. Yeah. Holy What's shit. so funny to me is. 
uh, this whole sexual sexual harassment movement where it's getting like multiplied by the umpteenth power. So for now, you you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't feel safe approaching uh, a young lady at a bar if you liked her and just wanted to get her number. Uh, it would be harassment. And the only, you know what? You, what's the difference between well, that? Well, I, the- I got to be honest with you guys, right? It's maybe different where you guys come from. Like it's still. I mean, it's still pretty okay here in Ireland, right? Well, but again, like I said, we're about 15, 20 years behind in terms of our correctness. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're still very, we're still very old school in my well, country anyway. It's, um, it's, it's, it's still that way too in certain situations here. And this is where I'm getting at. Um, how do you determine if it's harassment or not these days in that type of situation? If the girl thinks you're hot, I think so. So if the guy comes up to you and well, he's flirting. I, I had the same argument with somebody. The other day, I was like, well, you don't know what's out of bounds until you set the line. Exactly. So if some, some person comes up to me and is inappropriate with me, it is my job for that. They're not going to read my mind, especially if they've been drinking. It's my mm-hmm. job as an adult, not as a man or a woman, because that's bullshit. People are equal. As an adult to say, I'm not comfortable with this. Get the fuck off me or don't touch me or stand over there. As an mm-hmm. adult, I can say now they might not listen, in which case they're crossing the line, and then then we make it. Then it is a crime. But you, it is important for any adult, male, woman, or anything else extra, mm-hmm. to draw that line. And this is my this is my limit. You do not cross this boundary. And in 2017, we are not in some some prehistoric world where where you know men can just grab women like that. It doesn't happen the way it used to. And we're not in some Muslim country where that kind of behavior is sort of acceptable. It's not. It's not in my country. It's not acceptable in your country. And and even though it may happen, it doesn't mean that if you don't, if you shout, a whole bunch of the people at that bar will probably uh, remove the man, including the bouncer. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really, it's, it's false. But it's very important. It's not you or me who go and talk to the girl at the bar for us to know. It's up to her to say, no, I'm not comfortable with you being in my space. And then we know, but we're not mind readers here. So, and also people misinterpret things all the time. But it's very important that that you state what you what you want or what you don't want, and be very clear about that. The guy comes up and he's like a nerd or not attractive to that person. It's harassment. If he's some like Chris Hemsworth stud, oh, it's flattering and it's assertive and that's hot, right? He's taking action. Yeah, it's it's it, it. Sorry, there's there's an imbalance there. And like I said, dogpile generation, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon. Same thing with the Me Too movement. And I'm not knocking it because I think at the at the heart of what the Me Too movement is supposed to be, it's a good thing. I think people like that should be exposed. I think people should uh, make everybody that – because I get – I'm not going to pretend like I know what it's like to be molested or harassed. Uh, but I can understand how that would be hard well, to come he, forward about. Well, here's my – my view on that. I mean, well, I have, I have, pr- as I have someone who has too. endured, I have, I have myself been a victim of, of that kind of thing, right? But I did not hashtag me too anywhere. Okay. Me too. Fuck so- off. Because, because that is bullshit. Let me tell you why I feel that that is bullshit. Firstly, uh, hashtagging me too on Facebook does not it's, change shit. It's, and it's people, a cool thing. all these people come to me and they say, oh, but it makes people aware. We're all aware. Excuse me to fucking hell. We all know that, that there's sexual harassment all over the world. There's sexual harassment towards women. There's sexual harassment between, uh, against gay men. There's sexual harassment on every level, on all levels of society. So piss off with that shit. But my big problem is what you get 
is it belittles the people who are legitimately correct who've been victims legitimate victims correct their voice is drowned out by white noise by hundreds and thousands of people who think it's appropriate to be heard and to make a big thing out of something that doesn't really touch them just to be accepted in their Facebook community, which is what I saw on my Facebook. I saw plenty of people who were just jumping on the bandwagon who I can tell have never had any of those problems. It's a huge abuse of the whole thing. Like I said, on paper, uh, the Me Too, ah, a virtual support net, I could see how that would make it easier for people that have been raped or traumatic events to have the courage to talk. And th- uh, that is cool. But people abuse it, like you said, and you literally have people, everybody, same thing, man, Facebook, all that stuff. I had, And it really happened. It lit you up, man, because everything on Facebook, everybody's like, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. Oh, glad somebody and came out gas, says, me too, me too. it gaslit me pretty badly because, be- like, because I wouldn't do it. Dude. Uh, and the, and I don't expect people to be like me. These Me Too stories, like I said, they're abused because you'll literally have somebody where, oh, I went on a date with this guy and at the end of the date, he gave me a kiss before dropping me off at home. Like, uh, me t- what? I stole a kiss in the fifth grade. What does that say about me? You know, people, oh, come on. You're a fucking rapist. Exactly. And and the thing is, I had this conversation with a friend of mine who did hashtag the fuck Me Too all over the fucking place, right? Yeah. And. I had this conversation with her and I said, well, okay, explain. And she goes, well, I've been a victim of, of, of that. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, well, you know, I was drunk at a bar and the guy came over to me and he was inappropriate. And I'm like, did you, did you set the line? Did you, did you tell him to piss off? Oh, well, no, he just, he kept trying to come over at me. And I was like, and bear in mind, I may be uh, labeled a pig for this statement, but I didn't feel very sympathetic to someone who was sort of contradictory with her behavior. Now, I don't on the flip side, there was a friend of mine who was legitimately assaulted and who did get sexually assaulted. That's an insult to your friend that really got assaulted. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is the girl who was legitimately assaulted did not hashtag me too. She was quiet. Because why? A whole bunch of, of uh, crying hearts were hashtagging me too. So even if she did hashtag me too, her voice, her legitimate struggle was over... over um, was completely overbearing, uh, overbearing, overshadowed. Yeah, because a whole bunch of people who want to be popular on my Facebook, and I'm not saying everybody's Facebook, but on mine, I've got a lot of fuckwads on my Facebook. Let me just say it outright. Um, and there's a lot of people who just like attention. And that's what I had on my Facebook. There were lots of people who were probably legitimately, uh, of course, victims, but there was a lot of jumping on the bandwagon. And even from, from the worst was from men as well, who really, I could tell <sighs> were just doing it just to be, to be good. You know, I mean, guys who I myself have heard them say the same thing that Trump said in the locker room, saying that and suddenly getting all this very, oh, look at me. Oh, but absolutely. I had no idea about my sisters. I'm like, dude, I know for a fact that you are one of those guys who gets touchy feely when you're drunk. So please. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Bottom line, everybody has to check themselves because, like I said, it's abused. It takes away from the people that are serious and deserve compassion and sympathy when people are me tooing about, oh, this guy uh, tried to give me a peck in the cheek on, on, on at the end of our date. Look, the fact is, I want to say it right now. I love women. I respect women, equal rights. People are going to think that we're chauvinistic by talking about this. No, I'm being real with it. No, but, uh, being but hold absolute- up, hold up, hold up, back, 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 back. Whoa, 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 whoa. This has nothing to do with women. This has to do with victims, men and women, because there, there's women are often looked 
because this happens perhaps a little bit more often to women, but this happens a lot to men, dude. This has happened to me quite a lot. But you know that's who would get mad at this, right? It, it would be it would be that community, right? Yeah, but I'm not I'm not trying to belittle any of those things. All me the neither. people who have legitimately been problem. What I am trying to jump on is the culture that we feel the need that we have to throw everything out on the internet as a now. Like I said, I like change. I like people who do something about it. And hashtagging mm-hmm. Me Too does not change shit. Uh, excuse me. The Me Too movement is no different than the Ice Bucket Challenge. Remember that shit on Facebook? Oh, another waste of time, yeah. Good waste of water, too. Uh, there's people that obviously uh, really care about the cause. Uh, there's people that really, really got uh, you know harassed or abused. And that's, that's a serious thing. But then you have people that just want to join in. They just want yeah, to be a part of it. And that's exactly what it is. And just like the ice bucket challenge, what exactly did that achieve? Did anyone actually well, achieve well, they anything? They weren't raising money. It was just raising awareness. Great. We all know about it. And you yeah. know what? Does anybody even remember the illness that it was associated to? No. We just remember the ice bucket no. challenge. And I'm sure and, most And that's of- exactly it. So after all of this, after all of the hashtagging, whatever, what have we got? What have we learned? Have we, has it improved the situation for women across the world? No. We got fucking trending videos of celebrities pouring ice on them. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. And I go back. I go back to the Me Too thing. Great. If it achieved anything, it raised awareness. Really, what what did that achieve exactly? Uh, has has there been any change for women? Have, have less women been sexually assaulted since? No, I doubt it. Um, what it has done uh... is it raised the profile of Rose McGowan, a failing, useless actress who hasn't been able to do anything worth noting for about I agree. 20 years. I agree on that part. Uh, the one thing, I think at least for a while, I don't know if it'll be long lasting, but I do think this whole movement and this stuff will change the workplace. You know, people are, you gotta, there's gotta be a lot of people in the industry or in high up places that are shitting bricks right now. Like, oh my God, I hope this person doesn't come out from what I did at a party three years ago. You know, there's probably a lot of people wearing some shiny, happy faces at the office now. It'll probably make people walk on eggshells for a while. Hopefully that could be the good thing that people actually fucking wise up. Because the fact of the matter is, is people only watch their actions when there's a consequence. It's case in point. These guys in power, they do whatever they want because nobody gets in trouble from it. They just get away with it. Uh, You don't go out and commit murder. Why? Because you'll go to prison and you'll probably get killed. Uh, So we don't do it. Sure. You don't commit murder because there's a law. But there's a long and sexual harassment too. So the only thing that we're talking about, nothing has changed in terms of the. But the people the, in power get away with law. it. The people in power are above oh. the law. They've always felt like they were above the law. But now that the veil's kind of lifted, it's like, okay, look, you guys aren't above the law because all the spotlights are on you. You're not protected. People aren't afraid to uh, call you out now because people will gang up on you in numbers. So that might be the good thing from it. I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little bit more skeptical. I think very little will actually change. What I don't know if it'll change? be long. I don't know if it'll be long lasting. I mean, like right now when it's all hot. Cause like I said, it's like any other hashtag trend. It'll die down. Something else will happen. Dude, case in point. Uh, this all started with Harvey Weinstein. Does anybody remember what happened about a week before Harvey Weinstein? The fucking Vegas shooter. And then a week later, Harvey Weinstein happened. Nobody talks about the Vegas shooter anymore. We were talking about Harvey Weinstein 10 times longer than the Vegas shooter. It's just until Uh, we get the next big thing. Trust me. When we get the next big thing. I I completely agree. And that's a shame too. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I really don't think it'll achieve anything. And and don't get me wrong. What achieves things is is progress. Is it's women um, doing well at the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's gay men coming out and being able to have all the rights that, that a straight men have. 
those things achieve it. And it's not because they hashtag on Facebook, excuse me. It's because people go out there, they protest, they do things, they achieve. Sure. Achievement is what, what, what changes the world. Not, not hashtagging selfless, self-indulgent, <laughs> important. I have to, Twitter. I have to agree with you. I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular, but dude, it does seem like there's some exploitation going on with people like Rose McGowan. Who gives a flying fuck oh, about Rose McGowan? Worst. She is the worst. She's the worst. And you know what the funny thing is with her? If you buy her, then you're a fool because she's full of shit. She would have said anything. She would have jumped on any bandwagon that would have got her career forward because you have to look at what happened to her. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a big fan of hers at one point. The Doom Generation was one of my favorite films. She's good, but she went nuts, dude. I mean, she's, she, and I'm not saying that she didn't get into squabbles with Harvey Weinstein. I, I'm not going to, I'm not the one to say, but I don't trust a word that comes out of her mouth, because one thing I did recognize is she is someone who will do anything to be in the spotlight. And she even got herself taken off Twitter and made it sound like the, the people at Twitter removed her to silence her. She, they removed her because she was breaking their rules by, by uh, giving Harvey's phone number or something on Twitter, yeah. which is against the law. She's mm -hmm. lucky she didn't end up in jail. You know what I mean? But that's the real reason. She's a washed-up actress who has gone completely fucking postal and gone completely nuts and has pissed off everyone. More people know her name than ever, too, now, because of this. Yeah. Not because of acting, not because they can name a movie she was in, but because of well, this. She's I watched the, her movies. I watched I, I, what she tried saw, to direct. And it, you know what it was? It was pretentious dog shite. And she doesn't deserve to be successful as a director because she ain't that good. And her movies sucked. Uh, and you no, know, fair play. She has acting ability, but she has nothing to say that anyone gives a shit about. Otherwise, they'd be watching her movies. I have a ballsy question. Do you think there's some accountability on the people that partook? So, for example, for all for every one person that says Harvey Weinstein did this to me, rape me, or he he tried to do this to me for a uh, compensation or or getting a part in a movie, for every one person that did that, you know, there's ten people that took him up on his offer and totally cool with it. That sit there and went yep. to the Academy Awards and be like, yeah, I fucking sucked his dick. And here I am accepting my award. Uh, do you think they're accountable uh, too for like just supporting it? Because they, they kind of are. I'm not saying they're the monster that fucking initiated it. I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, this is again where I get very controversial here. There was gain from if it. If you there want was gain. to get, to go forward and, and you know that, uh, being nice to the boss will get you forward, uh, you'll, you'll suck up to the boss, right? Now, I use the word suck up, not suck off, right? Uh -huh. But sucking up and sucking off is just a different shade of the same thing. Sucking up is one step one. Sucking off is stage 10. So what is really the same? It's more or less the same thing. You are, you are doing things that ha make the boss happy, right? That's what it is when you boil it down to the very bare minimum. So if the boss is a pig and wants you to suck him off for a part... And you do it, and you get ahead. That's up to you. You're an adult. You you mm. went into that room. You did everything you wanted to do. Now you might have stayed to your stayed your guns. Say I don't do that sort of thing. I I I'm honest. Fine. You might get the role based on your abilities, or you might not. But it's like the same thing when if I go and meet somebody at a job interview, or I meet an actress, right? And this is nothing to do with sex. This is to do with if I if the actor or actress or anyone for that matter, I'm hiring is good with me, if they charm me, if they if they give me, they pet my ego a bit, they are more likely to do better than the ones that don't bother, right? That's a fact. 
It's not going to change just because people hashtag. And mm-hmm. that's the same across the board on every employment. You're always going to favor the ones who, who favor you. And, uh, and, and you sleeping with Harvey Weinstein or whatever, Harvey Weinstein being a pig and trying to get his rocks off on, on various young actors is just because he can. He's a man of power. The same could be said about the Clintons and bear in mind that they did plenty of that. And they've been caught out. I mean, I mean, Bill Clinton, uh, is notorious. But, but don't you know, talks about him. all that shit was before the Me Too movement, so it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, you know, the situation is the same. So exactly. my opinion on, on the subject is, is very much this. I mean, look, are you really going to foul the person who does something inappropriate to get ahead? Because, I mean, fair play if you're going to shoot on them. I don't. Uh, because they still had to go off there and deliver. They could, they could have slept their way to the top, but they still had to get on that stage and act. So mm-hmm. I feel that anyone who, who had to do it to get ahead uh, doesn't deserve to be scrutinized. They made sacrifices, and that is a sacrifice, and not all, all of them are pretty. I just wish some people would get their, uh, their moral standings in check because they, they often conflict with themselves. So, for example, um, in the heat of the Me Too movement, for example, I know someone uh, that literally fucked her way to the top with her uh, corporation she literally did she was she was she was nothing like think uh think a cocktail waitress uh, uh somebody comes into the bar one night that's always hitting on her offers her a job that she is not qualified for and you know just a couple short years later she's this uh big wig and she's literally been in sugar daddy relationships where uh she she gets compensation and things for uh <laughs> well they might tell you well no it's an equal transaction you know i'm giving them my time and they're giving well, however you want to spell it, whatever, that's your business. You could argue that's a victimless crime. You could argue that if you want, but don't sit there and cast stones at the me t- at the Harvey Weinstein thing on what these girls did for the same thing. People, people are hypocrites, man. It's like, it's no fucking different. And bottom line, all well, these people, all these people that are throwing stones, uh, at, think about it. Okay. Harvey Weinstein. He was a, a one of the a huge donator to the Clinton Foundation. You have all these celebrities that are under fire now uh, for Me Too movement uh, scandals, and they all fucking attack Donald Trump. Some of these people are the same people that chastise Donald Trump for saying, "Oh, they're the same." The and pussy. they're the some of them are the worst kinds of people as well. And I mean, come th- on. Th- it, it goes to show, dude, we're all we're all. If you dig far enough, we're all going to be caught saying something we regret or like, ah, I shouldn't. We all we're all human beings. We all grow up, man. Fucking Barack Obama was a kid too. He was a kid too that I'm sure uh, he picked up some bad language or he he hurt somebody's feelings or he said, come on, everybody is, nobody is perfect. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's all very and, But I'm not, I'm not disputing that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very practical person uh-huh. and I, I'm not saying that, that it's appropriate behavior. Hardly. Absolutely not. And I, I want to keep pr- pushing that. But I am that, saying, that not you, saying one that. cannot, one cannot. One has to be, see that there isn't very much difference between one side of it and the other, right? Because in the mm-hmm. end, you are, it's, it's just different shades. And I think that there are a lot of people in Hollywood who uh, didn't get the job because they didn't sleep with Harvey. And there are a lot of people who did sleep with Harvey and didn't get the job. And there's a lot of people who did sleep with Harvey and they got the job. Mm-hmm. But the people who got the job still had to deliver. You know what I mean? And maybe they might have delivered without sleeping with Harvey. But, I mean, it's irrelevant to the point is it doesn't matter. That's up to them. If something is inappropriate, they need to speak out. And at cost. And some did, apparently. They did. uh, And some didn't. And he had lots of power and money. But then again, that could be the same with politics. 
If you don't like the way your political leaders are behaving, what can you do exactly? If you're not happy with the president, what can you do exactly? You're going to go in there and say, well, I don't like the way he does this. I don't like the way he talks to women. So a lot of people don't. And guess what? He's still the president. He's still there. And uh, none of the complaining or bitching and moaning has changed a damn thing. Man. And even though, uh, so so my, what what I'm saying is one has to look higher for the example. If if the political system uh, is 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 rotten through and through with this kind of behavior, why should the entertainment system be any different? And why should should business be any different? I mean, we are getting you know you we live by example, and it's completely throughout the entire society. So the only way to change is to completely you know. We gotta, we gotta kill the rich, basically. <laughs> well, you know, uh, on to, one hand, to quote Ball, on that note, we on need one to, what we need to do is start from scratch. And unfortunately, hey, dude, uh, people don't like to start from scratch. Oh, no, seriously, on that note, that's been burning my tongue. Zach, I think I've told you this too. There's some sort of gratification uh, on one end to watch Hollywood eat their own. And just kind of like implode, uh, because I, I here's the thing. I'm passionate about creativity. I'm passionate about art. I'm passionate about film. But on the flip side, I fucking hate the industry. Absolutely hate Hollywood. I hate everything that it stands for. Call me that guy if you want to call me that conservative that says "fuck you." I don't want to hear your opinion, Meryl Streep. I just, I just don't think it matters, and it, it's just gotten so uh, cluttered uh, with the output. I mean, they're not even putting out good shit. Um, and just this holier than thou level and platform that they're all put on. I hate celebrity culture. I fucking hate it so much. I see famous people. I could give two shits. I'm going to talk to them just like I talk to you. I talk to Zach. I talk to my neighbor. Uh, if they're nice to me, I'm nice back to them. I'm not going to fawn over anybody. I don't believe in mm. autographs. Dude, people fucking make money signing fucking shit for people that paid for their movies. Fuck that. Yeah. I got so many friends who do that as well. So, but look, if it is what it is, I mean, we pay for it. We find a market for it. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it needs to start over. I wish Hollywood would completely start over. I wish, I wish the indie scene would thrive. It just, Hollywood just needs to go away and we need to start from the ground up. I, I just, it needs to go away. I would not care if tomorrow, None of those people, I hope they invested well. I wouldn't care if Meryl Streep didn't have a career anymore. She was no longer in any movies. Uh, it just, it needs to be, all be wiped clean. Seriously. Sure. But it, that's, it, but it's, that's it's hor- dude, it's celebrity culture. Dude, this fucking Kardashian culture bullshit has ruined the, the modern I mean, generation. Yeah. yeah. But look, but look at her, for example, right? W- what did she do exactly? I mean, I still haven't figured out what she did that she got all this celebrity. Now she's used her, she's used this platform she obtained from nothing to build businesses and brands. So I guess good on her oh, for that. Yeah, but, but okay, but fine. But like I said, what has she done? Nothing. She was the daughter of the fucking guy that offended OJ Simpson. Okay. So, so basically she's essentially Paris Hilton. Yeah. She, uh, Except yeah. I think Paris Hilton was on some TV shows or something. So probably she's a bit less than Paris Hilton actually. No, same thing. They were both on reality same, shows. Same thing. Right. Reality show host. So basically, fuck all. <laughs> yeah. So fair play. She's turned that into a business. She ain't, she ain't stupid. She married the right guy and, uh, and she made a ma- massive business, uh, selling whatever it is that she sells. Um, but, people but my point this- is that is bullshit because she wasn't selling her talent. Mm-hmm. She wasn't selling anything she created. No, she was monetizing. What exactly? I'm not exactly sure. Children, children are looking up to the wrong things. 
You know what? I mean, it sounds cliche, but dude, you can admire. I have no problem with you admiring someone like uh, Kylie Jenner for her lip gloss line and all that shit. That's fine. If they have entrepreneurship in their blood, you can admire that stuff. But I'm sorry. These people are not the heroes, man. Your local doctor, heart surgeon, that's a hero. Your local vet, your, 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 the people that went to war. These people are heroes. These people are making a difference. Your parents, they should be your heroes. Uh, but people are romanticizing this Instagram culture. Where you have all these celebrities, uh, everybody's like imitating celebrities now. Have you noticed that? Uh, it, it, before Instagram and all this stuff, we never had that. They were kind of on this one plane. Now everybody wants to be wow. fucking Kim Kardashian. Listen, you go, look, you go on Instagram right now and you see all these girls that want to be fucking models. They all they all think they're models. No, they and, models. and I got and I got I got to be honest with you. When I go to Instagram, I just I start feeling pretty mediocre because I mean. Everybody just seems to have a much better camera, and it's than a I fucking face of face. Because everybody seems to be so much better looking than me. <laughs> Look, it's it's a it's a facade, and and celebrities are not contributing to it. There was a story. Um, <laughs> I remember there was a story where you know that guy Bow Wow, little Bow Wow, Zach, you know, little Bow Wow. Mm-hmm. He got called out because he was uh going to some taping. He was going to New York because he was like hosting some MTV thing or whatever, and he took a picture of uh. He took a picture of himself, like, on the plane up close, and then he took another shot of uh, a private jet. Like, okay, I'm going to ride my private jet, like like he's a big baller, or as he might say. But then someone called him out who was on his flight. It was a commercial flight, and they took a picture of him. Like, fuck that guy. And and they also found the original source picture he took. He took, a, he took an already old picture on Google of, of somebody's private jet. And put it up on Instagram. Caught doing that. Like that was his lifestyle. And then a close up of him on the plane. And they're like, this guy's fronting because they all feel like they got to keep up and they got to have this image. I'm like, what are you teaching kids? That you're nothing if you don't have a private jet. You don't even have a fucking private jet yourself. This is so stupid. And everybody on Instagram thinks they're a model. And I'm so sick of it, dude. Yeah, you find a lot of pretty girls. Yeah, they might be attractive. They got a whole bunch of fucking filters on their ass, too. I, dude, I know people. I know people in real life that have Instagrams and they do that whole thing and they look like models and shit on their Facebook. In real life, man, they got fucking pock marks. They got fucking bad acne. They, they're real people for fuck's mm. sake. And these people, how pompous do you have to be? You're going to show your ass and your tits. Sorry for my language. Whatever. You're going to show yourself on these things. And then you're going to put your number for business inquiries. Call this number. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? I mean... Mm. Go do something with your life. You're not the first one. You got a you got a million people on Instagram trying to show their ass to get attention. It's just I'm sorry. You got a better chance doing something else. Use your brain. It's not attractive. It's pompous. And we live in this era now. Another thing too, dude. The sugar daddy culture. Oh my god. I don't know how big that is in in Europe, Randall. But uh, it's just gotten crazy. With the girls that are like uh, 18 to mid-20s. It's become this thing. It's part of the culture too. I need someone to spoil me. I need this. Big cars. Because you go on Instagram. What is it? It's a bunch of 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-olds with all these fancy clothes and and fucking shit. Because the guys buy them whatever they want. And then other girls coming out of high school think, well, my friend, she has a sugar daddy that uh, you know pays for her shit. I need one too. And they all want it. Dude, I live... And what I think to be one of the sugar capitals of the country outside of Miami, LA, you have Scottsdale, Arizona, you have, you have, you have this whole area and it's just what people do go into Scottsdale, which it's, it's posh. It's kind of where old LA porn stars go to retire in Scottsdale. And dude, it's, it's big fake boob, plastic surgery, capital of the state, uh, sugar daddies everywhere. I used to work at a bar 
And I'd watch, I'd watch the 60 year old men come in with 18 year olds and they'd be fucking paying them everything. They'd be driving nice ass cars. What does that teach anybody? You could, you could argue that it's a victimless crime. You know, really, you could argue that whatever, they're both kind of in this thing together. Who's it hurting? I don't know. The only thing it's hurting is just fucking society and culture. (laughs) It's just like, I, I fear for when I have kids and I don't want them to have these. I mean, it just means that we're going to have to parent our children better, you know, just to show them. Because it's like these expectations are absolutely fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. I've been on, dude, I've went out. I've went out with girls before. I went out on a date one time. Uh, I was actually new, pretty, eh, it was when I, it was my first year here. I, I went out with this girl uh, that I had met at the bar. I was I was working at part-time. And literally, do you know what this this person asked me uh, in the middle of the, the, the hangout? They asked me, will you buy me a gift card? And I'm like, Okay, I'll entertain this. Like, what gift card? Uh, and it was just like one of her favorite stores. I'm like, first of all, this is our first date or we're hanging out or whatever. I mean, I've known you a little bit, but this is our first like date date. Why would you ask me that? It's not that I don't have the money. It's not that I'm a cheapskate or anything of that stuff. But why would I sit there and buy you a $200 gift card because you asked me to? And this person had a job. No, oh, they don't want to spend. I want to spend Rid's money. <laughs> they don't want to spend their money. I don't, I don't find that attractive at all. Suffice to say the date was over. <laughs> like I get, it's such an it's an insult you know i grew up very poor i grew up from a certain background i know the value of hard work and i'm sorry you don't you don't just deserve that because you're pretty you don't i have to respect you i once i get to know you and i know you man i mean if if, if you're a good friend to me i'll give you the the shirt on my back i, I love to spo- i love to i love to be that guy man i'll take you out for drink i'll take you out for dinner all that stuff but don't come up to me uh, as somebody that is not in need and pout your lips and ask me for fucking money or some kind of bauble when you are able-bodied and might even have a job yourself, fuck off. It makes no sense to me. And I just don't find that attractive. I find independency, uh, and it, people that are independent, that's attractive. And those are the people that I'll fucking take my shirt off for. Well, uh, you can take that however you want. <laughs> I mean, give the shirt off my back for it, right? <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? Do I do I sound mm-hmm. like in this era that makes me sound like a chauvinistic pig? It really does. But like, no, man, call me old fashioned. I can be old fashioned and have those uh, certain morals and traditions, and also not be a racist because I'm not I'm none of those things either. I just I just value myself, man. Women want to go. People want to tout around all the time. Have respect for yourself. Value yourself. That's great, man. It needs to go back the other way around. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't. I'm glad I'm not, I'm glad I'm the age I am. I'm glad I'm the age I am. I'm glad I'm, I was born in the year I was. I wouldn't want to be somebody in this era. I wouldn't want to be somebody that's younger, 10 years younger at all. And I'm not saying none of them don't work hard. Uh, not all. Of course, there's ambitious young people. There's people with their head on straight. But there's a lot more people that, I don't know, that live in their fucking parents' basement until they're 30 uh, that aren't doing, they're making excuses. People talk about the economy. People talk about a lack of jobs, but, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not putting a flashlight on anybody, but some people really abuse it. It's like, go out and do something with your life, man. It's not, don't blame other people is what I'm saying. Well, I can't find a job. I can't do this. Oh, school's really expensive. My ass, man. I was in school working two jobs, living on my own ever since I was 17. I'm saying, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I get it. School's expensive and there's all kinds of expenses. It's okay if, if you got family that helps you out or you want to live. That's fine. But don't be, don't be fake about where, where, what it is. 
Don't don't act like it's because of a struggle. Don't act like because you can't do something about it. Don't don't play the fucking victim. Am I rambling at this point? I stopped listening. What'd you say? <laughs> I'm joking. You ain't rambling, dude. It's you know what's the funny thing is it's the, it's the last few hours here before like New Year's, and here we are like a bunch of old people bitching bitching uh, about the young. It's awesome. Thank you for reining it in. <laughs> I can't agree with you. I don't care about our culture. It, it can go down the toilet for all I care. <laughs> well, I mean, I, keep keep uh, sucking those old guy dicks if you want. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, you're right, man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say amen to that. That's that's <laughs> keep sucking on them old man dicks. Oh, brilliant! I felt like that's I felt cold. like uh, <laughs> we turned on a full on politically incorrect uh, with Bill Maher. Or something. Oh yeah. Uh, so so basically, none of this can ever be posted because like we're, <laughs> we're yeah. you're gonna get a whole lot of hate, man. None of us are gonna what. I bring it, man. For me you, personally, you you've got the biggest thing to worry about. You're putting out a movie. <laughs> Yeah, not anymore. I was putting out a movie. <laughs> you know, in my opinion, nobody says any dude. I think that you can you can not like somebody for their opinion, you know. But I don't think you're ever gonna. You can never not respect honesty. I'm not gonna be a phony. That's what I don't like. I don't want people to be fucking I mean, fake. It, it's funny now because as you as you say, people get destroyed for saying the most trivial shit, and mm. I'm um. And I'm in a position where I could probably receive a lot of criticism because of my position and et cetera. But, but the thing is, at the same time, I mean, we're, we're all discussing things here. There's no statements. I'm prepared to completely um, swallow everything I just said and, and, and backstep if given an appropriate argument. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that again. I'm prepared to, to retract everything I just said during this interview if – Someone can counter me with something that I would deem a good argument. But the truth be told, I'm not convinced that that can happen because what I see nowadays is this people use feelings as an argument and feelings I don't give two shits about. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, give me some facts, give me some, uh, alternative perspective, but feelings is not a perspective. And, you know, and that's the thing in the end, look. We are, by nature, we have to. We have to discuss this. We have to be provocative because it's the only way where, you know, and I'm not saying any of the people who listen to this show probably think that we're talking bullshit. And maybe some of them will get offended and some of them won't. Some of them will go, oh, yeah, and I completely agree. But the truth be told, it has to be discussed because people are scared to discuss. And that's that's wrong. I mean, if I want to talk about this stuff and talk about it in the manner I wish to discuss, I should be allowed to do that and not receive any kind of assault or bullying as a result. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the same with you guys. If we can't discuss things as adults, I mean, we, we don't have to be right, but we have, have to discuss. It's important. Oh, you got that wrong. I'm going to bully you fucking hard. I'm just kidding. No, Zach, is that, not yeah. one of the, is that not one of the themes that I've already presented on the show? Like, basically, that communication and conversation is never a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with talking. Uh, because... Case in point, man. Okay, to get political for just a second, not to get too far into that or drag this out too long, but um, look, you can like um, Barack Obama, you can like Bill Clinton, you can like Donald Trump, you can like whoever. The fact of the matter is someone like Donald Trump got elected because people just wanted something different. That that part of the demographic wanted something different. I don't think they cared what it was. They just wanted – it was just different. 
That's really all it was. And you can like Barack Obama. Dude, I, I don't hate Barack Obama as a person. Dude, he, look, he's here's the thing. He was super charming. He was super charming. He came on. Uh, he smiled. He told everybody little jokes. He hung out with celebrities. You know, he was what people wanted to see. Young people wanted to see. He came out with a smile on his face and said everything was okay. And then went back into his hole uh, where all the crooked shit, you know, happens behind the curtains until the next State of the Union address comes out where he says everything's okay. And you don't realize because people like that come out with a smile on their face and they say, hey, it's all going to be good. And then all that shit's going, you act like Donald Trump comes into office and this crooked shit just started. There was crooked shit going on behind the scenes with the Clintons, with with the Obama administration. But people don't read between the lines because they come out and they say it's all going to be okay with a smile on the face. Donald Trump comes out and he's transparent as a motherfucker. (laughs) He's imperfect as a motherfucker. And now it raises awareness like, oh my God, you know, how many accounts are there where Hillary Clinton supposedly has said, I mean, I've never heard her myself, but there's been uh, tons of accounts by people that worked for her in security. There's been books written about her where people quote all the time. But as long as we're on the topic of people making accusations, there's been plenty of accusations against her saying the N-word, uh, being a horrible person behind uh, the yeah, scenes. Yeah, and I heard plenty of those. And, and to be honest, I mean, she's she's rough. I mean, you know, you can say what you like about him, but she's awful. She comes on. Dude, she's got the fakest smile I've ever seen in my life. She he, When you when they go on the debates or whatever, Hillary Clinton comes up. She's got this plastered smile on her face. It's fucking glued, and it looks creepy, and it never leaves her face. And she says she, – she panders. She says exactly what she thinks you're, you're supposed to hear. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Donald Trump at least sparks uh, conversation, and the guy doesn't have a filter, like it or hate it. I'm not saying he's done some things that I don't approve of, but at the same time, man, it's like – if you're if you're pitted against two different people, which you could argue that we need to move beyond the two party system, but you got two people, wouldn't you rather have the enemy that you can see coming a mile away than the fucking enemy you can't? If you if you consider them both enemies, right? I'm sorry, it's absolute bogus. Um, but there is something to respect about it. About hate him if you want. Donald Trump's transparency and his not giving a fuck attitude. Uh- I like that he sounds stupid, like like Bush did. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. He needs uh, the Twitter thing needs to stop, man. Like I, I, he goes too far a little bit. It's like, dude, come on, you're not a 12 year old girl. You're kind of what I'm lampooning against right now. Like, you fucking, you need to be better than that. Don't fucking ruffle people. I feathers. say, let the world get hotter. We'll grow oranges in Alaska. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't ruffle the fair. Don't ruffle the feathers of a fucking dictator in North Korea over Twitter. <laughs> He made fat jokes over Twitter, which don't get me wrong. If that was your buddy, they're fucking Donald hilarious. Trump is a fat fuck. <laughs> but it's funny, though. But I'm saying, yeah, but that's not good at all. But I mean, but on also on one point, Donald Trump is the first true Twitter president. Yeah, I know tr- Twitter came out midway through Obama's term, but he is the first president where social media and Twitter is in full effect. So if you were to go back in time when Nixon was around, he would have had Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. He would have had Twitter. How many of the presidents in the past would have taken advantage of that forum and maybe would have said some shit? Think about it. Donald Trump's not special. Everybody gets in trouble with social media because mm-hmm. it's easy to reach a bunch of people. You People get drunk. They say they take stuff. People say shit all the time that gets them in trouble and gets backlash because we have a Twitter account. We have Facebook. So he, it's just I just think it's a society thing. 
Uh, and I think it'll, uh, maybe we'll learn over time, but who knows, man, Abraham Lincoln might've said some shit on Twitter too. He was a great guy, obviously, but he might've said some shit that, you know, ruffled the feathers the wrong way. You know, you don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Whew. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Fuck man. God, we that boring? You're exhausted. No, no. I just, <laughs> I just, it just, it just took a turn, man. We, we got, no, no, I'm not, ex- not like that. It was a great conversation. I just, uh, I love talking about that stuff, man. Cause it gets me so heated and, and passionate. And I could, I could feel it in you too, (laughs) Randall. Well, you know, the thing is, right? I'm I'm one of these guys who has to repress it all the time because I'm surrounded by people who, who, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm a little bit provocative. Yeah. And I admit that I am. And I also like to trigger people. I'm sorry. I have a lot of fun triggering people. It's, it's, but you know what? I'm going to say this. I think it's all stupid, man. I don't care if you're on the left or you're the right. There's stupid people on both sides, and it's dumb. I've never once called people a snowflake. You know, I'm not gonna fucking jump on that bandwagon either. It's stupid, man. We're all people. We're all in this together. We all got to get along. Let's fucking work through it. Well, uh, it's it, 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 dude. When that my, elect- my, my thing is that I'm just not happy. You know what I mean? I, I ain't content. I ain't content with politics. I ain't content. With the way the film industry is working, I'm not content with. I am reasonably content with music. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This last couple of years has been all right. I've been getting some decent records coming out, but for the large part, I ain't content. I ain't content on the rules. I ain't content on society. I ain't content that I don't look as good at Instagram as all the other people. You know. Don't worry, man. It's all broken. fake. I'm sure you do, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not content. So, you know, and here we are, we're, we're discussing all this stuff and, and, you know, like Trump is a very big, uh, is a very big one. People, people are upset with him. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would still say that I'd rather have him than her. Yeah. Oh, me too. I know that's an unpopular statement. I, I mean, don't care. I don't care who knows that. Dude. Okay. When you meet new people in the, in the era of Trump, one of the first things they ask you is who'd you vote for? And I don't, I don't shy. I don't lie. At first, when um, when it was all about, you the lie. Pro- but you see, that's no. that's the problem, right? You, a lot of people feel that they can't be honest. When it was the primaries, uh, when before uh, the general election happened, and you know it was Clinton and 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 fucking uh, Trump down to the wire, people would ask. It became like a witch hunt. These people that are liberal were exactly the opposite of what they were supposed to be preaching. None of them were liberal. None of them were. It was ridiculous. I, I worked in a place of business where you shouldn't, uh, you know, probably get too heavy into that kind of conversation. And people were so outraged about Trump. And these are people, mind you, dude, some of these people weren't even fucking alive in the Bush administration or fucking is ridiculous. Like, you don't know anything. Like, these are 18, 19, 20 year olds. Like, what the fuck do you know? And they'll 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 act like they're so enraged. Why? Because Twitter's enraged. Twitter says you gotta fucking love Bernie Sanders and hate Donald Trump. And they'd come to work or they'd come to the office place and they'd they'd shoot their spit their vitriol at you and they'd want to know who you voted for. And then at first, during those days of uh post primaries, I would just plead the fifth. I'm like, ah, I'm I'm not gonna talk about that. But if you say that, oh my god, that means you voted for Trump, right? Okay. That's what it means. Of course. That's what it means. Like, well, wait, so like if said, I'm not for you, I'm against you? Is that what the fuck you're saying? And then I got to a point where I started just saying it. Like, look, I voted for Donald Trump. If you want to hear out my reasons, I'll tell you. If not, I don't care. It's it's fine. You can hate me yeah. if you want. But then, because I, I don't care, man. I don't care who you voted for. I literally, my if I hated everybody that didn't vote who I vote for, I wouldn't have any friends, man. Seriously. And the and if you don't right. like if you don't like Donald Trump, 
then, well, in a few years, get up off your ass, go vote for the other person. Because the fact of the matter is, you had a lot of fucking Bernie Sanders hippies who didn't go out on primary voting day because they were fucking too high from the bong they were ripping that morning. Because, you know, in their fucking mom's basement. And I'm not for, I'm not for, um, you know, people love blaming and people love making excuses. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is be a better, get a better fucking guy. Because there was, there were two options. There was him or her. He was the only uh, one that could beat her. Uh, So, so like the same thing happened a bit in, in, in Europe here as well. Like, you know, obviously there, there was France that had, uh, the problems with Le Pen and Macron. There was also the problems, you know, the UK had this whole thing with Brexit. I Brexit. Mean, we have sort of all around us just a huge amount of donuts, dude. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the donuts have taken over the world because we have, there's no political representation at the moment th- that anyone's happy with. You know, I mean, literally like the UK, terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, France, nobody's happy. America, I mean, it's 50-50, I think. I mean, is anyone actually happy? I don't think anyone's actually happy. Some people voted, but are are like, you know, getting what they wanted, and other people are getting what they do want, but they're still probably not that happy. Uh, my my favorite is the people that remind you that, oh, I didn't vote, or like, oh, they'll complain, look, I didn't vote, like, why would I vote? Like, like man, shut the fuck up. I'm, well, I'm that, wa- good, good point. You don't want to vote, then don't have an opinion. Exactly. And, and that's kind of, that's like a grandfather's opinion. That's like an old man mentality. Um, I think people would argue with that today, but I, I do I follow, agree. I, I follow the George Carlin law. What is that? He didn't vote, so he has every opinion because he didn't fuck up the world the way everybody else did. Yeah. I, that's funny, but I, I have to disagree though, because literally, if you did not use your vote, I don't care. Go to the poll. Go to the polls and vote for a third party. You, you, like, well, I mean, I don't want any of them to win. And like, well, then go vote for a third party. Then, well, there's no way they're going to win. It's going to be a throwing away to vote. Well, at least you can say you fucking voted. I wrote in puking dog. Great. Did you really? <laughs> no. Did you vote? <laughs> yes. There you go. So if you voted, you have a right to to shout your grievances, I guess. But dude, that's the worst is you have all these 18, 19, 20 year old Twitter college kids complaining, but none of them got off their ass to vote. Yeah. Oh my God. Poor Bernie. How many of you fuckers went out and voted for him? You sure as hell took your time to stand block a freeway. Fuck me. You know, those are all probably all the people that did go. Yeah. It's probably the only ones that did go, but I know tons of people. I know tons of people, and I would call them out. People want to ask me who I voted for. I got friends that were like Team Bernie, Team Hillary, and I asked them point blank, who did you fucking vote for? And, and, and you'd corner them, you'd corner them, and you'd get it out of them that they didn't vote. I'm like, then you shut up. <laughs> it's like, why are we having this argument? I love you. You love me. We all love each other. Why are we having this argument? You're, you're, it's like you're, you're coming to a gunfight without any ammo if you didn't even vote. Stop this. Just do better. That's all I can say. Do better. Should be the name of this fucking episode. Do better. But just do better. Do better. But uh anyway, exhausting, man. Uh <laughs> I think it's a pretty okay. good place to wind down. Uh and kind of Sure, guys. We gotta have you back on, man. <laughs> maybe we'll yeah, talk. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about something that's not politically incorrect. It is well, <laughs> the thing is, is I had a feeling I wanted to get your perception, and I didn't even have to ask. It just kind of Unfor- happened. Unfortunately, my friend, you, 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 you got me. You triggered me. Now I had to, I had to rant and rave. 
I didn't have to bring it up, but but I was interested in hearing your perspective on some of this stuff as somebody, uh, you know, not in America. And I know this stuff happens all around the world. And, no, I, and, and, I, and this is what I will say. I mean, you asked me at the beginning of this conversation, you know, what is our perspective of you guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I think when I, I, I meet a lot of Americans, a lot of Americans who travel to Europe, right? Obviously, I can't talk about, you know, your mainstream Americans who don't travel. I meet a lot of Americans. You know what I, I see? time and time again from every single American. Um, they're unhappy with the food, right? They're not, they don't trust the government. They don't trust the FDA. They don't trust this. They're scared. People are scared. They don't have any prospects. They don't feel that, you know, they get, they get old, they get sick. They're, they're in trouble, right? So there's this impending doom with all Americans that I meet, right? And that's what I really see. And that's what I think most Europeans see in Americans. They're very scared. And they're very scared. It's not because of Trump. It's not because of political system. It's because society has become so nasty on itself that it's really, it's gotten to a point where there is no security. There is no, there is no sort of safety net of any kind. You know, uh, I met a woman who, you know, she works, she's got a good job, but she said the moment she gets sick, she'll be broke. She'll, she'll be in the street. I'm like, that's pretty fucked up, dude. You know what I mean? She works, she's got a company car she's doing, but she said, the moment I get sick, that's the end. I'll have whatever's in my bank account and then I'll be, I'll be on the street. And that's brutal. Like we don't have that here. We don't. It, and, and we, we don't like the government, but we sort of trust some of them, you know, sort of, but, mm-hmm. but it seems like every American I meet wants to get out. They want to leave. They don't trust them. They don't like the chemicals. They don't like this. They don't like that. And they want to find a better place. It's like a mass immigration. Every American I see that comes to Ireland, they're like, Oh, I'd love to be able to figure out a way I could stay here because here we're like, you know, and plus you guys pay a lot of money for a lot of basic shit that we don't pay that much money for here. Like my brother lives in Texas, right? He was talking to me about, like, he likes hummus, right? Mm-hmm. So a tub of hummus from whatever, his local supermarket, costs like five bucks or something. I don't know. It's, maybe it's Whole Paycheck. What's that place called? Whole, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Um, Whole Paycheck. I don't know if it's Whole Foods <laughs> or one of, or BN, BN something or other. I don't know. So I took him to my local supermarket, pay 70 cents for hummus, right? The mm-hmm. same hummus that he pays $5 for. And that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's basic shit that we have here though. And that seems like you guys have to pay a premium on basic shit. If you want organic too. Yeah, but that's my point. It's like, that's basic shit, dude. My, I pay, uh, four bucks for organic top of the line coffee, right? It's pretty damn good. Everybody comes here, talks about my, my fucking coffee, right? In a, in a Tarantino kind of way. But everybody comes here, they comment on my coffee. I'd pay four bucks for it. My brother buys 12 buck coffee. It doesn't taste as good as mine. You know what I mean? It's like, it's imbalanced and everybody I know seems to come here and they think, Oh, like, like Ireland is this great paradise, but it's just because I think everybody in America is just so nervous and everything just seems to be just going to pot. You know what I mean? And so that's the perspective that we Europeans see of Americans, I think. And I, I hope to fuck that it, it gets better because it's really not cool. To have everybody so, you know, doomy and gloomy, mm-hmm. you know, with that kind of perspective on the worldview. And that's, it's, it's sad. You know what I mean? Like, um, for me as, as a person, cause I see these guys and they're my age and they, they talk like that. You know what I mean? 
everybody's oppressed, man. We shouldn't be oppressed. But everybody's got this yeah. wedge. And you guys it. take a lot of pills, man. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, don't. But yeah, no, I, I know. Fucking hell, man. I, dude, I refuse to take uh, medications for things. If I go to the doctor and something, I was like, I, I can, it, dude, they, they just want to throw anything down your throat. I'm like, no, I, I just don't do it. And I, I won't do it unless, I mean, obviously you could probably get me to that point if I had some like crucial fucking thing going on and I absolutely needed, I think there's a time and place for certain types of medicines, but no, I'm not going to sit there and just shove shit in my body, you know? Well, it's it's that kind of like, you you, you know, you get a bit of headache, you got to take something. Yeah. Rather like, than, what? you know, no. pain is a natural thing. You get a headache, drink a liter of water. If I, if I, if I get, if I get sick, if I get really sick, I'll, I'll take something like, but, sure. but I need to be like literally on death's bed before I take anything. Because yeah. you know what? Being sick is natural. It's part of like being alive. And unless you are in excruciating pain, but let's, let's be, let's be real here. Uh, don't need to be a pussy about it. You know, like if you get a headache, go to sleep, have a shower, you know, drink a Coke, whatever. Drink water, dude. Like I, water. I, I take 20 uppers and downers every couple hours. Or you could just do what you do. <laughs> Zach's doing but, pretty you know, well. The problem is like I see and I, I'm like I met this guy and he was saying to me, he's like, you know, he asked me what, what my combination was. And I thought, you know, he, I thought he was talking about like double dragon or something. I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And I told him I don't take anything. And he's like, nothing. And he's like, I'm the first person my age who he doesn't is not on something because everybody, he's a teacher. So everybody in his, you know class or whatever all the kids are all on stuff and i thought to myself it's like you you couldn't if i go in a in the street and i pick out 15 kids you might find one maybe who might be on something probably like asthma medicine or something but that's Mm -hmm. about it you're not gonna see loads of people taking head medication you know what i mean yeah but then again you guys pay five bucks for hummus and we only pay 70 cents so that will make you crazy yeah no it's dumb man i feel you but I don't know. It's it's crazy. Uh, hopefully, we can all learn to n- not be so downtrodden. Uh, I have hope. I don't want to abandon my country. I'm but, patriotic. But on that note, I'm going to say one last thing. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to to a little bit of a revival in, in film and in art. I think what happens in every great society is we've reached a point of peak. This happened a lot in the with the Romans. We got very decadent. We got very yep. um, entitled. And I think what's going to happen in the future now in a couple of years, and you're seeing it with Fox and the the Disney thing, you're seeing it with government, it's going to reach a point of imploding. And we've started seeing it a little bit in in Hollywood. We started seeing a little bit in politics. The next 10, 12 years is going to be very interesting because I think we're going to go through a a downward spiral for a brief time. But I think you're actually going to have a bit of a renaissance that comes directly after. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think independent film, independent thought, and that's going to happen very, very quickly and very aggressively. And I think that's what's going to happen. I've felt, I've felt that. No. So like I could tell you it's, it's funny because you're passionate about an industry I think is just destroyed. And I'm passionate about that stuff too. And it's destroyed, but I feel the same way. I think there is a renaissance coming. And I think, uh, people like you, people like me, we're actually at the right time, right? Yeah. And, because the truth is, uh, you could ride that wave, man. Be a part of that renaissance, and maybe we'll see Nero playing that fiddle here soon, when it's all burning. Everybody has a voice now, and that's the one thing. Just because you have a voice doesn't mean you have anything good to say, and that's the big problem. Not everybody has a vo- something good to say. I I also want to say too, you uh, 
No, you know, it's funny, uh, Zach. Did you hear him say the name? He wants a revival. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's actually the term uh, we came up. I came up with the name, the Revival House, as like our umbrella yeah, for these, for these uh, for these podcasts. You know, I, well, I want it to be a multifaceted thing. It's like Revival House can be everything. Revival House is the podcast network we're trying to build. Revival House is the the name I would choose for my production company and that whole deal. I think it's perfect. It says everything because it's exactly what you said. Uh, look at what we're talking about right now. I want to revive. I want to revive even like stupid film commentaries. I want to revive old school podcasting and, and commentaries without fucking drop ads and without having to worry about who's going to fucking uh, shut me down or cut me off. Or uh, I want to be able to have podcasts like this uh, because I want to revive a little bit of free speech and a little bit of fearlessness in conversation. Mm. And, and I would hope to do the same thing with, with film. So, I mean, you hit the, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, but I, I love it. I think it's absolutely, it, it's not just well, what you guys are doing is important. And, and that's the thing is uh, it is free speech. And, and you know, that's the problem. People talk about this free speech. Oh, like we have free speech. We don't have fucking shit. Nope. People don't have free speech. They, they can say, they sort of think that they have free speech, but what free speech is really, what it really means is the ability to talk about things that perhaps make people uncomfortable. That's what free speech is. And, and I'm not saying that what, what you're doing here is, is making people feel uncomfortable. What you're doing here is you're getting ideas and you're putting people together and you're having discussions. And that's important. That is what real free speech is. Mm-hmm. And I would like to thank you guys for actually having me on and being able for me to have a, you know, dude, I, I appreciate it. And, I know. appreciate it myself. You know, I'm, I, I was sort of worried that undertaking something like this would be tough to get consistent guests that would be not afraid to just be transparent and be open. Right. So, uh, I'm happy that we've been able to do that a handful of times now. So I'm looking forward to keep doing it. It doesn't mean that everybody that comes on here, we're going to talk about fucking politics. I just want to talk, talk. No, of course not. But also that will get, that will get boring as well. Wherever it goes is wherever it goes. I don't want people to hold back. I don't want people to be afraid. There's no judgment here. I don't care. You can disagree with me. I, I would have loved it if we were disagreeing the whole time. That's just as good. That's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, I had something else to say too, and I <laughs> kind of totally forgot about it. But no, man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, and and what I'll do is hopefully maybe when the movies are out or etc., maybe maybe you guys will invite me back and we can talk more about stuff and perhaps we'll be at war with North Korea and or maybe you know, dude, I told you, uh, you know, who knows. <laughs> Oh, maybe maybe the new Snake Plissken movie will be really awesome. I wrote uh, a long time ago. I had this idea um, <laughs> for like I was not kidding about the Rambo thing, like a Rambo fan like sequel, and it was about Rambo takes on the North Korean regime, right? You know, somebody somebody's captured behind the walls, and only one man can save him. You got to drop Rambo in there. Five miles out, he swims to shore. He sneaks in. You know, the whole tagline could be something to do with they're trying to get out. One man's crazy enough to break in. You know, <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. who knows, man? Maybe we need fucking Rambo, man. We need a. I don't know. That's that's a whole nother topic. I, I could talk all day long about North Korea. I'm fascinated. I watch a lot of documentaries on the North Korean regime. It's just it's fascinating what the power of uh, uh, censorship, what the power of uh, deception, what the power of 
manipulation can do to people. It's insane. Censorship's a oh, dangerous sure. thing. That's something I'd like to talk about at a future date. But like I said, be on the lookout for the Green Sea, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. And uh, just uh, Randall, Randall Plunkett as in general. He's a good dude. Uh, do some research on him. Check out some of his older stuff. And uh, Zach, thank you uh, as always for being my Garth Algar. No problem. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll close out by saying that uh, obviously... This podcast in particular is still pretty new, so I'm going to kind of reiterate that it's about transparency. It's it's about uh, talking about things we can't do on the other shows because I get it. Those are sort of topical and thematic. Um, so if you find something of value in something like this, please subscribe. Uh, you know, if some of you guys are listening on YouTube, that's, that's appreciated as well. Like and subscribe there. It's not... YouTube's not a podcast format. Uh, I'd suggest you guys go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you guys get podcasts and listen to us over there and uh, subscribe, comment, leave feedback. Uh, let's start building a dialogue. Definitely leave messages and questions and uh, we'll do our best to answer all of those. And also uh, listen to our other stuff. Go to RevivalHouse.net, Revival House, the YouTube feed. Go to iTunes. You can download the whole Revival House feed where you can get this podcast and all the other ones, uh, all of them in one feed place instead of getting them individually. If, if you don't want to do that, uh, Zach's got his podcast as well. Mac and Zach save the world. Uh, and then of course we got the longstanding BTM, uh, podcast. So something for everybody. That's all I got. Any last words, any last words, any last words? No, oh, I'm all done. I'm all done. I'm expecting hate mail now. <laughs> bye bye puppets. Two reasons I don't vote. First of all, it's meaningless. This country was bought and sold and paid for a long time ago. The shit they shuffle around every four years <laughs> doesn't mean a fucking thing. And secondly, I don't vote because I believe if you vote, you have no right to complain. People like to twist that around, I know. They say, they say well, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain. But where's the logic in that? If you vote, and you elect dishonest, incompetent people, and they get into office and screw everything up, well, you are responsible for what they have done. You caused the problem. You voted them in. You have no right to complain. I, on the other hand, who did not vote, who, in fact, did not even leave the House on Election Day, am in no way responsible for what these people have done and have every right to complain as loud as I want about the mess you created that I had nothing to do with. So I know that a little later on this year, you're going to have another one of those really swell presidential elections that you like so much. You'll enjoy yourselves. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure as soon as the election is over, your country will improve immediately. As for me, I'll be home on that day doing essentially the same thing as you. The only difference is when I get finished masturbating, I'm going to have a little something to show for it, folks. Thank you very much.